Hey everybody, Rob here. What you're about to hear is a 2015 conversation that Kai and I had around the time that The Force Awakens entered theater. So we did an episode before we saw the movie and then we did a review right after the movie. So rather than have another discussion about a four-year-old movie leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, I just figured it would make more sense to combine those two episodes and repost this. And so there will be some formatting differences. You will not hear the uh, the trailer audio uh, breaking in here at a certain point. I may just drop it in, in the middle, uh, but it, you won't hear, you know, we won't form, follow the same format as we do now. So uh, there will be some differences in that regard. But for the most part, this is what Kai and I have to say about The Force Awakens. And if you want to hear about The Last Jedi, I'll be posting that episode the exact same time I'm posting this combined version of The Force Awakens. So enjoy both those episodes, and may the Force be with you. Always. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. So we're recording this a few days before Star Wars The Force Awakens officially hits theaters, and I thought it would be prudent to, you know, sit down and sort of reassess our expectations for the new film, um, and then of course we'll do a uh, we'll do a post-released review um, after the opening weekend to sort of reflect on our thoughts on the film. But you know, I wanted to get Kai in here to just kind of touch base on. What are what are we thinking going into this? Because I'm like I said, I'm going to be posting this the day the film comes out uh, nationwide. I don't know if it's worldwide that same day or if it's sprinkling its international release out a little bit. But um, that's just mean to other places, then, isn't well, it? Well, sometimes other other you know overseas prop, well, yeah. uh, territories get it first, actually. Well, right, right. But I'm just saying that with Star Wars, I mean, that's mean to make the other countries wait for this movie. Yeah, and yeah. If the U.S. is going to get it first, I mean, geez. <laughs> Make everybody get it at the same time. Make it fair. Everybody's clearly dying to see this movie, so. So yeah. let me ask you. Let's first of all, we're gonna. I, I, it makes sense for, for me to start right from the beginning. So what is what are like what are our connections? What are is our experience with this franchise? So for me, I really I I'm 32 and I didn't really even get into this this franchise really until I was in high school with the special editions. So of every all the purists who are like, oh, I want the original, the original untampered with version of the movie, that's actually not the version that I really grew up with. Because I really saw these, I really got involved in this world with the special editions, even though I, I you know, some of the changes are, are questionable. <clears throat> Greedo shooting first. Um, that's that's kind of the, the version of the movies that I really, really draw, drew me in initially before the prequels. And since then, of course, my fandom has exploded hugely to the point that I have a Star Wars poster I'm staring at right now, a couple other Star Wars like figurines and collectibles, my Blu-ray set sitting over there, a couple t-shirts in my collection. Uh, so, you know, it's probably, to me, probably the film franchise that I hold closest to me with the only like possible contender really being the Batman franchise, which I also have a poster up on my wall. Um, so so I once I heard about Lucasfilm being purchased by Disney, I was instantly ecstatic. And uh, the fact that everything I've heard about The Force Awakens going into it, from J.J. Abrams coming on board to, you know, news that the original trilogy cast was going to be playing part, uh, taking part in it, and, and John Williams coming back to score and all the marketing materials that have come out, I've, I'm really excited and really hoping that this can 
redeem the franchise uh, from the prequels. And then, and then, and that's, I feel weird saying that because I'm not one of those people that totally bashes the prequels and thinks they're totally, they're totally devoid of any worth whatsoever and like giant pieces of shit. I actually am a moderate defender of Attack of the Clones and like kind of a staunch defender of Revenge of the Sith, minus two or three really awkward moments usually involving Anakin and Padme. Um, but but yeah, so I, I, I sort of see the prequels and the original trilogy in a little bit of equal measure. And I love them all, even though Phantom Menace is admittedly not a good movie. It's sort of like the black sheep of the family that you're like, all right, you're invited to Thanksgiving, but you know... Keep your keep your mess to you. keep keep your mess of a life to yourself while you're there. So that's where I'm coming from. So I'm like all excited here and dragging Kai along with me on Friday night. So where what is you know Kai? What is your connection to the franchise? And you know when did you first see the films? And what are your you know what were your thoughts when you heard that they were making this? Wow, that's a lot of stuff. But one well one question I wanted to ask you though is so you really know about the movies like you didn't really watch the movies till the special editions came out. Did you? know a lot about star wars before then or was it just on like the periphery, periphery? it was mostly on the periphery i mean neither of my parents are huge geeks into this kind of thing i mean they like star wars all right but it's never you know they're not the type of people that like you know saw it in theaters and was all about it that kind of thing so i didn't really and i'm the oldest i'm the older of the two the two kids in the house so you know my brother got into it probably around you know around the same time i did and he's the one that actually dressed as Darth Vader for Halloween and like had the toys and grew up more with the video games and that kind of stuff. And I had played some of the games and I was of course familiar with Darth Vader and I'm your father and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, I was, I did, didn't really, I don't really remember seeing the movies and then making an impression until actually they announced the special editions. So I guess we're like late, I, I guess by this point, we're probably mid to late 96. And I, my, my parents and I actually rented the VHS copies of the original versions, like all in a weekend, I think, and watched them all pretty much or like or within a couple weeks of each other for something. I forget. But that was the first time I watched them. And I was like, oh, wow, this, these are actually really good. And then I saw all three of the special editions. So. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess, when it comes to my Star Wars fandom. But it's also both me and you, we weren't part of that time. I mean, well, we were when the born, last movie came out. Yeah. We were born. We were we were like. Yeah, the Return Return of the Jedi was in theaters when we were born, actually. So yeah, so so to I wouldn't say that it's accurate to be to say you were a late bloomer because it wasn't part of your. Well, but I mean, as far as a thing. lot of thirty somethings that that you know grew up with it as you know being seven years old and. But maybe that's because that. of their parents, because that maybe was more... maybe that and that's why I qualified it with yeah. the fact that my family like it, Star Wars was not like a thing in our in our household. Until, you know, I guess until I saw it and then kind of made it a thing, I guess. Right, exactly. So it's like, you know, I was exposed to 80s films in the early 80s because of my parents. I also didn't see any John Hughes movies yes, until the last exactly. few years, except for Weird Science. Yeah, so, so my parents and my, you know, family friends had exposed me to right. early 80 movies. Exactly. But I wouldn't have really known about them unless, and even you even give me a hard time now. We're like, I've never seen them. I'm like, no, I've never seen that. I know that I was four, but still. Anyway, I digress. So, no, that's an interesting point because that's that's how it was with me. I mean, I my parents weren't really into Star Wars. I didn't even have a television, so we I didn't spend a lot of my time uh, watching TV. So, or, did you grow up in Amish country or what? What's no, um, uh, my parents were hippies and didn't want uh, us to have television. Is that they? Is were they hippies to the point that they were? 
anti-Star Wars. We're like, that's the, that's establishment. We're into like Easy Rider and no, shit like no. that. No, well, well, what I uh, what I was gonna say is that when I was younger, me and my sister used to play with Barbies and. We had Star Wars figurines in our Barbie kit, which I don't know where they came from. They must have come from my parents or maybe our parents got them from somebody else. But we had like Star Wars figurines. So we had um, the, we little, had, the little small ones, yeah. like three or four inches tall. Yeah. Whatever. So, uh, yeah. so we had Han Solo and definitely Luke Skywalker. But I don't think we had Princess Leia or Darth Vader. I think it was really just Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. So was Barbie the Princess Leia of the group? It sounds like it. No, no. They would be like, um, we had Hans, we had Han Solo and Luke, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. We pretended that they were the kids because they were smaller than oh, the Barbies. Okay, that's that's good. Because I was imagining you could be like, oh, Han and Luke, that's the, the, the gay couple that lives next door to Barbie or something. Well, being that young, I don't think I even knew... You know, there were gay people, right. but no, they were like the kids of the Barbies because they were smaller. So we right. had, so we played our Star Wars figurines and I would just like you, I, I knew about Luke, I am your father. Yeah, that, it was such a prominent thing in pop, I mean, still is a, such a prominent thing in pop culture that it's like, how do you grow up not knowing Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and may the force be with you and all that? Because the, the funny thing is we both grew up actually with space balls way more than Star Wars, which that's is strange. What, see, and I think that's why... I thought for a long time that Space Walls was very similar to Star Wars, but the, the genius of Mel Brooks is he doesn't do complete satire. Like, he does a satire, but he makes his own story. Right. Unlike a lot of the sat satirical movies now, they're, they're just frame like, by frame. Hey, well, they're talking about, like, date movie and that kind of thing. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like, hey, remember Paris Hilton? This, this is like Paris Hilton. She says that's hot, and then she goes away. Yeah, right. that's ridiculous. No, yeah. no, I and it's funny. That's a good point about Spaceballs because I actually have, you know, I have that on DVD as well. And on the commentary, he even talks about how some people just love the movie as just like a fairy tale type movie and not even really even paying attention to the Star Wars parody elements of it. Um, okay, so so when did you first see the movies? Um, I first saw the movies um, when I was thirteen years old. Oh, so that's around the same time as before me. Before the special editions even were ever going to be released. Right. Um, my mom's boyfriend at the time owned. Well, I guess she owned, I guess my mom owned them, had the three Star Wars movies on VHS, and um, my boyfriend was like, oh, these are such good movies, you should see them. See, he knew, he knew what was up. <laughs> so, because he was the one that grew up on them. So, I was watching them, like, okay, it's all right. And I think by the third one, I didn't even remember what happened. I did even remember, I did know about the Princess Leia and Jabba the Hutt scene. Oh, the Slave Leia thing? Yeah, I already knew Did I tell that. you that... That, and that's because of friends, I think. Did I tell you? Oh, right. Of course, naturally. Did I tell you that um, reportedly Disney is like squashing the whole Slave Leia thing? Like they're going to remove all of that from like the the, the uh, licensed merchandise and that kind of stuff? No. Which I think makes sense. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of degrading to women. I mean, I don't I, in the in the context of the movie, I don't think it's a big deal because you know she's captive and she rises up and she actually kills him. So in any in in a way, it's sort of strangely empowering like she's degraded as like a like objectified in Jabba's palace and then rises up it's like screw you you can't treat me this way and strangles Jabba spoilers I guess but if you're gonna see The Force Awakens and you haven't seen Return of the Jedi you, you have a problem it's been 30 years people yeah get on it um so yeah they're actually doing that so that's wow. interesting all right, well, interesting. So it's going to be but it's gonna be taken out of the movie? Not out of the movie, but, like, they're not going to really be making toys that are like, Slave Leia! They doll. were? Oh, yeah, there's figures of her in that outfit and like, oh, oh, statues well, and all I think that that's kind good, of stuff. Because if Star Wars is also going to be marketed to children... Right. I wonder if it's Kath the same thing with Fat Bastard from Kathleen, Ken Kathleen Kennedy is like this big time producer in Hollywood. She's actually now like head of Steven Spielberg's wife or something? Or something, or worked with him on, yeah, something. I don't know. Uh... 
she's actually head of Lucasfilm now. So I wonder if she had, you know, the fact that there's now a woman in charge and maybe that, maybe that's part of the reason she's like, first of all, no more slave Leia. The fuck is that? Secondly, did I show you, I think I told, I did tell you about this, that I think vulture.com, I believe, I hope I'm saying the right website, um, had the video of all the females speaking roles that weren't Leia in the original trilogy. And it was like 90 seconds. Oh yeah. I think you told me there's that. basically, and, and it's all, it's like 80%, uh, Aunt Beru from the first movie being like, Luke, Luke and shit like that. Cause there's, Dude. there's essentially, there's Leia and then with maybe two small, you know, Aunt Beru and then there's Mon Mothma and Return of the Jedi for like one scene. There's essentially no female presence in those movies whatsoever. Everyone's, everybody's a dude. So I wonder if having Kathleen Even alien Ke- dudes. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if having Kathleen Kennedy in place sort of helped balance that out a little. She's like, all right, well, we need to modernize this. And now you have Ray is in there. And you have, now you have John Boyega to put a little more diversity into it. So it's not all just white men anymore. And um, the Felicity Jones is coming in as the lead in Rogue One that's coming out next year. So that's, they're creating a much more uh, multidimensional world as far as like, there's women, there's, you know, black guys, there's Asian people, blah, blah, blah. But see... Which I think to, is good because it reflects in today's reality a little more closely. But to that's the point, though. Wasn't it also showing diversity just by having an alien species represented? Because it had a lot of aliens in the movie. I guess. Which were not considered aliens. They were considered, you know, of that planet. Right, but they just look different than the. Well, but they're not representing representing the diversity of our world. They're well, that's ha- that's exactly how I feel about Superman. I mean, what do you mean? What about it? Superman's still an alien. I don't think he, I don't think he represents people on this planet. But they cast a white guy. In exactly, it, is what I'm saying. So, well. so you think they should cast a black guy as Superman? Is that what you're saying? They sure they could do that. that mix too. it up. I mean, but he's still being. I mean, alien. now that's he's not going to happen. Alien. That's not going to happen for another 10, 15 years when, until they reboot the DC. Because now you got Henry Cavill in place. Oh, they can do what they do with Spider Man and just reboot Switch it again it. after five years. But I don't think that's what we're getting away off topic. <laughs> I don't think that's DC's plan because they're doing this whole giant like schedule of films. And anyway, back to Star Wars. So, um, so yeah, so that's where you're coming from is just having seen them as a kid and then not really seeing them much until we watched it recently, I guess, right? Right, yeah. I had saw I saw Revenge of the Sith in the movie theater um, when it came out, and that was it. That was my only and you introduction seen, to the prequel. You hadn't seen the other two prequels. No, but I heard they were horrible. At least I definitely heard the first one was horrible. Okay. And um, But I remember, you know, I remember being 14 years old and um, The Phantom Menace was coming out and you have Natalie Portman and... Um, on the cover of Wyatt magazine, her Star Wars gear, and I was like, oh, yeah, her okay. crazy hair and her painted face, and, yeah. yeah. And um, so then, yes, I didn't see them really in their entirety until, and where I actually remember what happened in the original movies until we watched them recently. Okay, so I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to, to listeners that I kind of I love all the films, even Phantom Menace to a lesser extent, obviously. But three, four, and five are the ones I love the most. I actually like three a little bit more than six. I know that's controversial, but as far as coming coming from coming to the movies with relatively fresh eyes, what was your impression of the saga or the each each trilogy, and what was your favorite and least favorite of the six? Well, my impression of it was, I mean, they're definitely interesting. I I don't honestly. Okay, this might sound blasphemous. And I know I had mentioned this to you during while we were watching the movie, but watching the fourth one or, you know, the original one, I d- 
didn't really see what the big deal was. I, I was, it didn't, I was actually, I felt a little bit more invested in Attack of the Clones than Wait, I Attack did. Attack of the Clones, this episode yes. two? Yes. I felt wow. more invested in that one because I just felt like, yes, obviously the name of the you movie. You might get some title, angry tweets over I know. This. I know the title of the film was Star, <laughs> it's Star Wars, but I just felt like there was so much on the battle. And me, I don't know, as a female, that just wasn't. Oh, the, it, the Death Star battle? The yeah. End? I just oh. felt like there was so much about okay. that. It just. And that was like the main plot point. Point that just it didn't really engage me. Well, that let me much. ask you this. But the second one was if there were more battle scenes and there were more ladies in the X wings piloting the ships during the during the battle scene, similar to that, would you be more invested? No. Or so it's not that. It's and not I'm not saying that Attack of the Clones I like better than all like all the other original movies. You're I'm saying, saying that because I'd seen it at the time. Okay. That was I'd only seen the fourth one. And I didn't see the the fifth and the sixth one. Right. So I because we watched them in consecutive order. Two, yeah, we watched them in yeah chronological order, which some people feel like you should go four, five, six, and then flash back to one, two, three. But I don't think that makes any sense. You gave me the option. I did. I was like, which way do you want to watch these? You're like, just to start from the from the beginning, get get it over with. So was that, uh so was your what was was Phantom Menace your least favorite? Like I'm assuming <sighs> it is. That was terrible. Like <laughs> Jar Jar Binks annoyed me. From the get-go. Fun just, fact, fun fact, I actually did like Jar Jar when he first came out, and my first email address ever was jarjar1983 at aol.com. I wonder Until if it still I, works. Uh, probably not. I canceled it a long time ago. So maybe somebody else has it, but I don't think anybody has AOL accounts anymore like that they actively use. Um, so, so yeah, so episode one's your least favorite? Yes. Was there anything about it you enjoyed? The lightsaber battles, at least? Or the lightsaber the battles were good. I liked... I liked um, Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn. I liked him. Too bad that he he uh, didn't have a very long time in that movie. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Ewan McGregor. I liked that. Actually, he was a lot more interesting as, as Obi-Wan Kenobi than Alex Guinness was in... Oh, really? Well, because he died. Like, because he, he was died. more vibrant? Yeah, he died yeah, I mean, in I the guess. first movie, uh, and then he's just a voice. That's not... He's a ghost, though. He's a ghost. He comes back as a force ghost. Come on. Okay, so... What was your of the six? Which one did you like the best? Like, did you did you like did you? What did how did the whole Anakin rise and fall and redemption story work for you? Watching them in chronological order. I think it worked for me. I mean, I'm gonna say what a lot of people say that I don't understand the, the midi chlorides. Mini yeah, midi chlorians yeah yeah. No, <laughs> that's like one of the most just... other than Jar Jar. That's one of the most like maligned aspects of the prequels. Where fans are just like, why did you do that? Because the whole point in the original, well, yeah, but the whole point in the original movie, yeah, is mysticism, and it's it's you know the idea that you're watching this movie, and if you believe in the Force and you train, you could become a Jedi too. But then. Phantom Menace establishes, well, yeah, but you have to have these little things, these little organisms in your body that talk to your cells and tell you the will of the force. Like, why overcomplicate that? Why can't you just let it be the spiritual thing that it is instead of giving it a biological ground, you know, grounding it biologically? Which is why J.J. Abrams has come out and been like, yeah, we're not talking about midi-chlorians. And there's no Jar Jar in this. I'm like, thank God. Um, Whatever happened to Jar Jar anyway? He, they faded him out. Actually, have you heard about the fan theory? Where some people are thinking, you know, George Lucas has said that there were certain plans and things that he had mapped out for the prequel trilogy that kind of changed and got dropped as he went along. And so some fans are speculating, what if Jar Jar was actually supposed to be like an evil Sith mastermind? What? 
who is pretending to be this idiot the whole time oh because there's God. actually moments where you know he's talking to somebody and you see him like moving his hand a lot so people are like what if he's like manipulating things from behind the scene that kind of thing. I mean it all seems really far-fetched to me but at the same time that would be that would have been kind of an awesome twist if he's just pretending to be like oh me such a binks and then at the end his voice changes and he's like actually working with Darth Sidious the whole time cuz remember he's the one that gets that is actually the one that is like, oh, I vote that we give emergency powers to the chancellor so he can create this army. And so in a way, it's all Jar Jar's fault. So that actually would have made sense if they would have done that in Revenge of the Sith. But I think even if even if that was the case, and I don't think it was, the fan back, backlash towards Jar Jar Banks was so strong that I think it was just like, yeah, okay, let's not do that. Yeah, and though I didn't see the movie, I, I remember that too, where everyone was talking about Jar Jar. And I also remember... People talking about how racist the Phantom Menace was. Oh, well, how now that you've seen it? Yeah, yeah. The, the bad that. guys with their Asian accents, yeah, and then Watto was... being quasi Jewish, like the the cheap like dealer of parts and I stuff. I don't know though, whatever. but I, I don't know if that was really intentional. I don't know if it was either. Part. I mean, they're all they're alien creatures. I mean, you're putting, you know, you're. But putting... you can see how some people get yeah, offended oh, yeah, by it. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm like, okay, I can see why that this is the thought, but I don't think it was intentional. I think it was right. just. They're building they um, need, a character, right? And then drawing upon, um, drawing upon accents and dialects that exist within our world, and implanting them within Star Wars to make it seem more diverse. Just like, oh, this planet's all what do we have here? Rain. This planet's all uh, snow, and this one's all lava and shit like that, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you see what you want to see. Lana, we yeah. obviously live in a very politically correct um, now, even culture more so. anyway. Now so. it's just ridiculous. Anytime anybody says anything, it's blown out of proportion. Yeah, like what voices was he media. supposed to use for those movies? It's just I think I think the I think the issue is more the way that they lined up with the characters themselves. Like Jar Jar is supposed to be like, oh you saved my life. I oh kind of following him around almost not like as not a slave, but like he's indebted to mm. the white man type of deal. You know what yeah. I mean? And then Watto being sort of like stingy and like, oh, no, that doesn't matter. Credits don't work out here. Only money and things like that. It's the, it's it's sort of like the, the Power Rangers thing. It's like, oh, the Asian one wears yellow and the black guy wears black and things like that. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's just the way it lines <laughs> yeah. up. That's which what they, which they call Power Rangers braces too. <laughs> which they're changing for the new movie. I mean, I, they're, they're mixing it up. So now there's, there is a black guy and there's and there's different ethnicities, but they're not, they don't fall like. In that way anymore. So what? Um, so what nationality ethnicity is the Pink Ranger then? It's a woman, but I don't. It's. I mean, it's still a woman, but I don't even know if it's a white girl. I don't even know. I forget now. Well, what do you mean? It's from the. The but the black guy is a Blue Ranger now. Like they're switching it up. It's actually a guy from the guy from uh, Me and Earl and the, and the Dying Girl, which I recently watched. Oh. Um. So yeah, but uh, so what's your favorite of the six then? I do like the third one, Revenge of the Sith. I did like that, and. There were some parts of Attack of the Clones I thought was was nice. Like I liked them in Naboo. It was very visually beautiful, and and definitely the prequels did really well with the set design and and the visuals. I mean, there was a lot of CGI in them, but like Naboo was really beautiful, and how when they went to Mordor, Mordor's Lord of the Rings. Uh, they did it again. Mustafar. Mustafar. <laughs> I could see how you could get that confused. Mustafar. Sorry, listeners. Um, that was very. You know, visually, kind of a, visually, whatever intense yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that that was really neat. But I, I do think all the CG hasn't has not helped the movies age particularly. No, because well. if you look at Phantom Menace now, you're like, wow, this doesn't look very good. I remember, I remember, I was watching the films recently, and I'm like, wow, this looks like a computer game. Basically, 
it's just there's just too much CGI. And which, which is why J.J. Abrams with The Force Awakens is leaning towards more of a balance between practical effects and CG, which I hopefully can avoid that because the original movies, most of that they didn't. A lot of it they didn't really tamper with; just cleaned it up and removed some like matte lines, that kind of thing. But you know, the attack on the on the Death Star doesn't look that much worse like in the old version. It's just kind of cleaned up, and that a lot of those visual effects hold up today. With, you know, with today's technology. Yeah. Because it was practical, because it was miniatures, because it was, you know, stop, most stop motion doesn't really hold up. But, you know, you get the idea. You're right. So, so go ahead. You were, I think I interrupted you. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, but, and then the, and then the fifth one. The, the fifth. Empire Strikes Back? Yes, Empire Strikes Back was good, too. Okay. Ret- yeah. I think you were like me, and you were a little bit, you, I think you felt. Return of the Jedi was good, but not not it was it was not nearly as good as Empire Strikes Back. It had all that Ewok mess. Yeah, in all. Ewoks. I didn't really. And then they were like had their celebration. They're jumping around in the yeah. Forest. I yeah, it's and weird. That was just completely ruined the pace of the film. I always thought that the end of the movie, and I I think I put this out on social media like a few months ago, but I always thought the end of the movie, the final shot should be and it should have been Anakin, Obi Wan, and Yoda as Force ghosts, and then sort of ended on there because it's really those three characters that have been there from the beginning and. And it's Anakin's arc that really rounds things out. Instead, that last shot is the you know Luke, Han, Leia, Lando hanging out with the Ewoks, sort of like smiling like goofballs, like it's a Christmas card. I don't understand why that's the last shot of that movie. But whatever, I digress again. Um, so with Return of the Jedi, we uh, we we last left the story. Um, Vader had ro- risen up. Spoilers, <laughs> had risen up against. Uh, the it's emperor. Nice that you do that for the oh, uh, yeah, two seconds before I say it. Had risen up against the emperor and thrown him down that reactor shaft, basically redeemed by his love for his son, um, only to perish himself in you know his last moments. You know what? I actually didn't even know that was going to happen. What? That he was going to die? Like I didn't know that. That's how it how it went for the longest time. Like I obviously I knew. Luke, I am your father, and that was I for some reason. You always, thought that was the I last always thought movie? that was the last movie. I don't know, like I, because I don't remember the the third movie very well. Right. Especially, you know, I'd only watched it one other time, and I was thirteen years old, and I well, yeah, yeah. Tuned up. But so I thought that was the last, like the last movie, because I thought that was a great way to end the trilogy. No, it. There's I a whole other movie. Yeah, in there, yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, you know, Darth Vader died for the love of his son. I thought he basically never redeemed himself, and he just died bad. Which Eagle, is well, so. well, the way I see it, the the six movie saga is supposed to be the whole story as Lucas envisioned it, is the like kind of the life of Anakin Skywalker, and then you see in the beginning of Phantom Menace, not in the beginning of Phantom Menace, but in that movie, there's this whole prophecy of this person's going to bring balance to the Force and blah blah blah, and then he ends up turning to the dark side, but ultimately in the end he does you know sort of bring balance to the force because he kills he destroys the sith he just had to join them and be evil for 20 years or whatever before he could finally do that um and it's you know it's it's this cool it becomes like it becomes in a lot of ways a family drama about this father and his son and his children and like they, you know it, it's really a personal story on a, on a, on a certain level just happens to be happening in the context of this giant galactic like um space opera basically so, so we left it there, and then, you know, Han and Leia ended up together, and, you know, um, the Empire was supposedly crushed. So now, in the marketing, it doesn't look like the Empire was, was crushed at all. So what, what's kind of your, what's your take on, you know, what you've seen in the trailers, and what do you, 
what do you think what do you think's going to happen in this next one because i mean there's a lot of rumors and theories and stuff out there but you know we just figured we can kind of put our two cents in yeah i mean i know i know a little bit about the theories because you've been telling me right other than that i don't really i don't read about it but i don't know it could be uh, it could be possible luke is bad because we haven't seen anything we haven't seen him in the posters or any of the marketing other than his hand on r2d2 well we presume that's his hand i wonder if that's misdirection because could be who knows if kylo ren is really as much into the uh you know darth vader's legacy and finishing what he started and all that stuff uh i I don't know i wouldn't put it above him to like cut his own hand off and be like i got a robot hand like darth vader i don't know then why is they he can go anywhere R2-D2? i don't no idea i we I'm, i don't know much more than you do honestly i just read more of what other people are thinking and saying well yeah but why would but, but is, is that was a theory that it could no be that was Kyle? me that was me okay. that was me just saying because we don't we're all assuming that's luke's hand well he needs well i would like to think kylo ren is not um corrupting r2d2 yeah because we obviously know kylo ren is bad Right. Or do we? I don't see. I don't know. The way he's talking in that movie, it sounds like he is. We're going to finish what he what, what do you he think, started. What do you think he's, he means by that? Destroy, killing the Jedi? Destroying the Jedi? Or crushing the rebellion? Or It's it's it, it's all very vague right now because we don't know, first of all, who... He's got Oscar Isaac character. Yeah, I know. What's he doing with Oscar host- Isaac? We, uh, you, just saw, you just saw Ex Machina the other night. So I now, did, Now yeah. are you kind of like, hey, leave Oscar Isaac alone. He's a good actor. <laughs> Because <laughs> you hadn't really seen him in much either. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, we don't know. First of all, we know for a fact that Kylo Ren is not his like his birth name. Right. We know that Kylo Ren is... There's actually been talk of this this group called the Knights of Ren that he was a part of at one point. So maybe that's how he learned to use a lightsaber. That kind of thing. So maybe that's some kind of offshoot of Force users. Uh, so there's speculation. We don't know if, that's, if Kylo Ren is actually Han and Leia's kid. If he's Luke's kid, if he's someone else's kid, who he's really working for, how that all... He's working for me. <laughs> I've decided. There you go. So yeah, so you bring up lightsabers. Yeah. So at the end of Return of the Jedi, I guess if if they just, you know, destroyed the Empire, and so, you know, Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine have, the, have lightsabers, and then Luke has a lightsaber, and Luke's now... Somewhere, M-I-A. being that or hiding or whatever, yeah, in the bathroom. Who he's knows? Getting, 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 he's got a mass. He's got a massive case of the shits. Yeah, for 30 years. exactly. He's like, oh guys, I'm back. What happened? And then, and then the trailer. It looked like it did look like um, based on just the, the voiceover that Princess Leia was getting a lightsaber. But is that why you think there would be a Knights of Ren? Because if unless they're the only other people that would know how to work a lightsaber, since all those people are now in. Well, as far as as far as we know, I mean, it hasn't been in clear. It hasn't been made clear one way or the other if Kylo Ren is actually a Sith Lord or if he's just some other, you know, some other person who's tied up into the dark side. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it has been confirmed that that is that that um, Luke's original lightsaber, the blue one from Empire Strikes Back, when Vader's Luke, I'm father, and he's like, that's impossible, and he cuts his hand off. That hand with that blue lightsaber. That that blue lightsaber does factor into the plot of this film. And that's probably the lightsaber that Finn is holding in that one shot where he looks like he's about to battle Kylo Ren. So I think there's there's definitely some legacy issues going on there. As if, you know, 
things being passed down from one generation to the next or, or what, what have you. Um, but I mean, my theory is I know in the expanded universe, the expanded universe is the fan. I don't know. Most of our listeners probably knows, but it's the fan term for the novels, the comic books, the video games, all the stuff that, 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 uh, supplementary material for the Star Wars universe that other than the six films um, those delve into this rich history where Han and Leia had twins Jason and Jaina and then another younger child named Anakin Solo and Jason and Jaina Jason ends up turning turning to the dark side and Jaina ends up becoming a Jedi so I'm wondering if Kylo Ren and Rey are actually Han and Leia's twin kids it's possible I mean one thing I wanted to add though about um, Kylo Ren is that it's, I think, my theory is, I do think Kylo Ren is bad. And the reason why is because, one, because, well, we have He's to have... He's got a red have, lightsaber. Yeah, we have also. to have another Darth Vader, you know. Or something, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's because when everything was happening in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, that was a family drama, you know. It was kept inside the family Nobody else outside of that knew what was going on with, you know, with the fact that that, yeah. was, uh, Darth, that was Luke's son. They didn't realize that they had patched things up. So as far as they know, you know, um, they, Darth Vader needs to be redeemed for not getting to finish the job. That's my theory. Right. No, that's, I was actually, I've actually been thinking something serious, uh, similar. And they've been dealing with this a lot, actually, on Star Wars Rebels. I haven't seen season two yet. I'm not caught up, but I've seen season one. And in season two, they deal with, from what I've seen, they deal with the fact that Anakin on the Clone Wars show, and by the way, uh, when Lucasfilm bought uh, was bought by Disney, Disney re- released, you know, had a press release put out that said that none of the other, like it's just saying, extend, expanded universe, none of that is considered canon, which means it doesn't like count. It's not. It's not. It's not considered actual, actual story that that fits with the films. It's not considered part of the chronology of the story except for the clone wars and the star wars rebels and now the new stuff that's been coming out so i'm thinking that they're really going to do a lot to tie in clone wars and rebels to the movies so in star wars rebels anakin's former padawan ahsoka tano who's this, the teenage girl that he was training during the clone wars and she you know she was his apprentice uh, apprentice she learns for the first time in season two of Star Wars Rebels that Darth Vader is actually Anakin Skywalker. Which leads me to believe something that I've that thought for a long time. It's like once that happened and Order 66 was went out there and the Emperor and Vader wiped out all these Jedi across the galaxy, does anybody other than like Obi-Wan and Yoda really know that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader? And therefore, any of the connections between the other people, you know what I'm saying? What? No. Can you can you clarify that more? Like, I don't think anybody... As far as most people knew, Anakin Skywalker probably got killed with the rest of the Jedi in Order 66. Because it doesn't take very long for him to have to put on that costume and to assume a new name. Okay. So, so nobody... A lot of... The, the, the galaxy in general probably doesn't even know that Anakin Skywalker... Did not die. That he actually turned to the dark side and has became Darth Vader. That's a really okay. Yeah, which, that's which, a really good point. Build, which would build more onto what you're saying, right? 
Yeah, because Darth Vader became more of a... Um, Luke didn't even iconic. learn it until then. So right. I, I, it's not. it doesn't seem to me that in the Star Wars universe, it doesn't seem like it's common knowledge that, oh, Anakin Skywalker... Well, right, because Obi-Wan side. Kenobi went into hiding. Right. And so did Yoda. Right. So, yeah, that's true. And Mace Windu had already died. And... But I and Kathleen Kennedy has gone has has said that the main Star Wars movies, Star Wars Episode Seven, Eight, Nine, that kind of thing, what distinguishes them from the spinoff films like Rogue One, like the Han Solo movie that we're getting, is that it, it does continue the story of the Skywalker clan. Like it does, it's going to like you were saying, it's like the prequels are about Anakin Skywalker. The original trilogy was about his kids, so I'm assuming this would be about the next generation. Which is why I really think that Ray and Finn, not Finn, that would be weird. <laughs> Ray and Finn, I mean, not that that would be weird, but if, I don't know how you get Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and then get John, Boy- John Boyega out of it. Um, Adoption. I, I guess, but they're not the biological, at least. But that's why I really think that Ray and Kylo Ren are going to be Han and Leia's kids. Like, I really think that's going to happen. And, and like, just because the expanded universe isn't canon doesn't mean they can't draw inspiration from it and use elements of it. For the film they're just not saying this is exactly what happened because if they do that then where do they where are they going to go with the movies but see okay so it's like it's like point. it's like comic books like if they make a spider-man movie they can draw inspiration from the comic books but they don't have to be like this is exactly what we're doing but doesn't that also piss piss sometimes off? sometimes but i mean you know it's also you have to learn it's all there's an art and adaptation you can't you you can't tell that necessarily that exact same story you have to condense it down into a two-hour format Right. Which Marvel has been doing a really good job with, for the most part, with their films. Right. Well, one thing, one point though to to your theory, and I, you know, I could agree with that, is that um, growing up though, you would think that if Kylo Ren really is um, Leia and Han's son, that he would have already known about Anakin Skywalker being Darth Vader. Would have already known that. That things were fine with with Luke and Darth Vader, and right. So you think he would have known those things from his own mother, who was you know Darth Vader was would have been his grandfather, right? I should say, okay, Anakin would have been his his grandfather. So I would like to think that he at least do something. So maybe with that being said, maybe he is going to he's maybe trying to help with things that he's doing in his own way. Maybe he's he's his own rebel. The other thing that to, to take into account too is that from what I've heard. Kylo Ren is working with Supreme Leader Snoke, who I guess is a, is like the new like help emperor type figure, and that's he's that's Andy Serkis play. That's the one you hear in the first teaser. Andy Serkis's voiceover. He's you, he's brought to life via motion capture because of Andy Serkis, so naturally. Um, so some people are speculating that what if that guy is actually Darth Plagueis, who was uh, Darth Sidious's master that he thought he killed in his sleep. And he's actually been pulling the strings all along from behind the scenes. What? Oh. Do you remember? You remember oh, Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, and he was telling the story about how... Like, oh, my, my master, and, you know, telling about his own story, basically, and how he killed his, his master in his sleep and that kind of thing. So you're, so there's theories that that's Darth... That's Supreme Leader Snoke, this new character that's been lurking in the background, that that might actually be Darth Plagueis sort of running shit, like, and then survived... The attempt on his life by Sidious. But wouldn't he have passed away? I mean, who knows? These aliens could be. No, Yoda was nine hundred years old. That's true. So I mean, it's it's true. that's yeah, that's true. the magic of fantasy slash sci-fi since Star Star Wars is sort of a hybrid. 
Uh, that you could be like, nope, you can live to be 1,500 years old. It's all good. So, uh, so that's something to keep into account. Maybe Kylo Ren, in his mind, maybe, maybe he's trying to finish the Sith off, like like his grandfather Anakin, who became Darth Vader, was was trying to do initially back in the day before he got corrupted. I mean, we don't know. That's the good thing. That's the great thing about the marketing is that they're giving us all these images and moments that we're like, holy shit, I want to see that. Holy shit, I want to see that. But they're not telling us this is what's going on. Not like Batman versus Superman, which looks like they just gave away the whole movie in that trailer. Um, but yeah, so the chances that somebody is, that everyone is going to make it to the end of this movie is not very good. So who do you think is going to bite the bullet by the, by the end of the movie? I, I have mine. Carrie Fisher. Really? Yeah, because she, I think she's coming back more as, like, as respect, out of respect. And I think it's just, it's like we've talked about before with some of these other movies where they're, with like X-Men, for example, where they're doing, having more, they're doing like a timeline. So now with X-Men Apocalypse, it's just going to be all, just all the... To be for all? Yeah. It's just all the older characters that are now younger. So I think it's going to be something like that, too. That's more just out of respect. Whether she dies or she just decides that she doesn't want to have war anymore, I don't see Carrie Fisher coming back. And you probably you probably know more than me. I don't see Harrison Ford coming back either. I've... You know, I've heard that he's kind of already didn't want to do this movie in the first place. Like he's already been well, backed know. out of it a couple times. He backed out. Of the I think he was. Too. The, I think well, in it, it's uh, he's famously he famously was t- talking to George during the making of Return of the Jedi, being like, "We need to kill this guy. He's got no no place here." And then thought that would give him something like interesting to play. And I think I guess George Lucas was against that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, if Harrison Ford, who I believe was probably one of the last ones to really be confirmed of the main three. Um, yeah, he's the one we su- see a lot of in the trailer. Well, because, but see, okay, that, that goes into what I'm about to say. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, oh, I'll come back. I'll come back for this one, but just this one. Like, I don't want to be playing this again for another 10 years. I already did that. You know, and that would also to me really play into why he's so prominently used in the trailers and the poster. I mean the poster has Harrison Ford like right in the freaking middle, right next, with Carrie Fisher right next to him. But Harrison Ford and Han Solo being such an iconic presence in these films and being so so looks like he's going to be in this movie a lot, I will be super surprised if Han Solo does not die at some point in this movie. Carrie Fisher I think they might hold on to just because if this story really is about the Skywalker family She's part of that, and just just as as Luke is. So I feel like you might need them. You know, maybe she'll die over the course of this trilogy in the next one or whatever, or maybe even have cameos in the next couple movies. But I think, I think it's worth enough keeping her around, especially if Luke isn't in this movie as much as like like you know just because he hasn't been in the marketing. I don't really think he's going to be in it very much. Like I think he'll be in it obviously because it's been confirmed, but. I don't think he's going to have that much screen time. I think it's mostly just it's mostly going to be to answer questions and then to tease into the next movie more than anything. How else. many movies has he signed on to do? Well, I think I read that he's coming back for episode 8. But uh that's all I know so far. I mean, they could pull an Obi-Wan and kill off him, kill him off in this one and then have him show up in cameos in the last the next As couple. As a Force ghost? I guess, yeah. Oh, so I don't know. But I, I think Han Solo is probably most likely to not make it through this. Yeah. Um, I think Carrie Fisher, like I said, I think we, I want to see her interact with Luke. That's her brother. And especially if, if, if like, if, if Kylo Ren is Han and Leia's kid and Kylo Ren kills Han Solo. His dad? 
Oh my gosh. might happen. I don't know. I'm speculating. Because, I mean, this this whole thing is a family drama. I mean, Luke, uh, not Luke, Vader tortured his daughter in episode four and then cut his his son's hand off in episode five. But, but to his credit, though, did he know that was his daughter in episode four? Not at the time. Okay. But who's to say that Kylo Ren knows that Han Solo's his dad? Maybe he, maybe he was stolen away when he was a kid and yes, grew up some thinking his he was totally something different. It could be like an Oedipus thing, like he ended up and not Oedipus in that he married his mom, but Oedipus and that Oedipus the story, the the tragedy of, of Oedipus is that he ran away from home because he was told that he was he was gonna kill his father and marry his mother, and he ends up doing that exact same thing like accidentally. Not even realizing that's what he's doing. So it could be like that. Oh wow! And maybe Kylo Ren could be redeemed by the end of the trilogy. I don't know. I'm just this is obviously just like his, just like his we grandfather. Haven't, we haven't. Yeah, exactly. We haven't seen this movie yet because it's right now. It's Monday the 14th, and we still have a few days till this till this comes out. But as we're posting this, people will have already seen it. Uh, so I mean, we're just talking out of our. If this movie here. was premiering in Australia, yeah, they would already be seeing it. Well, but I mean, if we're I'm posting this on Friday. When the movie comes out, people will have seen it in the midnight screenings the night before. And like, I think they even know have they have showings as or at least locally as early as seven, seven thirty on Thursday night. So people will already know the answers to this and they'll be yelling at their speakers being like, you idiots. That's not what happens at all. You don't know. I'm like, no, I don't know. Not yet. Or they'll be like, oh, my gosh, she's so right. Maybe. Maybe we are really on point. So, I mean, mostly mostly my expectation is that it continues. It does justice to these old characters. And if, if Han Solo dies or if anything crazy happens with Luke, as long as it's done in a way that's befitting the, the story and the characters and, and doesn't, like, violate any of the, you know, the, the other previous films, like, with a totally uncharacteristic turn, um, I'll, I'll be fine with it as long as it feels earned. And, uh, I, I mean, I already like what I see so far from Finn and, and Rey and, and some of the new characters. I'm excited to see that. And I think it's cool that Rey seems like she is going to be our Luke Skywalker. She is going to be, like, the main focus of this trilogy. So what's so what's Finn's story? We, we haven't really done any theories on who he is other than a stormtrooper. Well, I've heard, I've heard rumors that he's connected to some characters from the original trilogy. Um, but, I mean, based on the trailers, we know that we know that he was a stormtrooper and sort of defects... From the First Order, I, I guess, and joins the Resistance at some point. Because we see him and Rey talking to Han. What I don't understand, though, is why are there stormtroopers still? I thought that... Well, we don't know what happened at the end of the... Um, after Return of the Jedi, when Emperor Palpatine passed away. I mean, sometimes when a dictator is taken out, someone just comes up and rises and takes That's his true. place. See? So they we- should have followed the Mockingjay <laughs> way. No spoilers there. Yeah. Well, my our review of Mockingjay Part 2 is finally up on CrookedTable.com, so you people should check that out. Um, so, I mean, mostly that's what I'm just hoping, that it, it captures the spirit of the of the original films and that sense of adventure but and, and fun without being, like, too dark and too overbearing um, and really being inspiring again because that's what the original... That's what it's so great about the original movies. Like, you watch that and you come out of the theater just, like, exhilarated by being told a great story and it's just pure escapism. And um, I'm really just hoping that this that this one is is, is better than the prequels. Actually, it, actually, even if it's better, at least better than the first two prequels, I'll be fine with that. Because I actually, like I said, episode three is is one of my is is actually higher on my list than most people. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for. And you know, we're going to see it on. 
IMAX, like not crappy fake IMAX, like real giant IMAX, like dome theater IMAX. So that that should be amazing, and I, I'm I'll be sitting there like peeing myself in excitement, I'm sure. So what is kind of your what are you exper- expecting to feel in the theater? I mean, granted, you're not going to be. I feel your pee <laughs> under my feet. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, I apologize in advance for that. Then. No, I mean, obviously, you're not qu- as invested in this franchise as I am. But you know what? Ki- what are you? What kind of movie are you expecting to see? No, just on a basic, like you know, sensory level. Like, what, what are you expecting to walk out of there bummed out or exhilarated or disappointed or you know excited to see what happens next or you know, all of the above maybe <laughs> the different moments. Yeah, maybe different moments. I mean, it's it kind of reminds me a way of a popcorn flick, but not not in the same the same way. Like I think it's. A movie for fans to go in and have a good time and get excited and um, and know that there's gonna be another one coming another year from now. Well, next year is the anthology, like anthology standalone ones. But then, so I guess 2017 will be episode eight, which Ryan Johnson is signed on to direct. He's a Looper guy. Yes, he's the Looper guy. So and we liked his movie a lot, his last one. So I'm excited about that even more than I am about this one almost. That's interesting. That's an interesting choice because he has a very yeah different eye mm-hmm. for film than J.J. Abrams. I mean, J.J. Abrams is a, was a good um, contender for this one because... Well, he, he did the same thing for Star Trek. Well, that's why you like Star Trek better. Uh, yeah, I'm not even... Uh, you know, I'm not even a... Star, I'm not a Star Trek fan. I'll just... I'll throw that out there. I'm not really... Not I don't have anything against it. It's just I never got into it and I never really had much interest in getting into it. Uh, but although I do like the new Abrams movies, so I, I guess I like his take on classic sci-fi properties. Um, and then Colin Trevorrow, the guy that directed Jurassic World, is doing episode nine. See, this so is they what have, happens they have when interesting you make blockbuster films. Those people well, are like, that hey, movie, I that made a, over a billion dollars. That was a huge movie, Jurassic World. That up to now, that's the highest grossing movie of the year. Not for very long, because by the time people will be hearing this, it'll be well on its way to not being second. Um, so you th- so the the theory is though that this the Force Awakens is going to beat all records I of think all time. Not on not adjusted for inflation. I- because, believe it or not, Gone with the Wind is still the highest grossing movie of all time, adjusted for inflation. Because, I mean, it came out in 1939. And, you know, tickets were, what, but a nickel or something. So adjusted to $10. And I guess everybody on the planet would see that, like, many times over. But, I mean, not adjusted for inflation, I could easily see this being beating Avatar. And making, what did that make, $600 million, something like that? Yeah. I, James Cameron seven, beat maybe, himself Maybe even again. seven, maybe even 700 I don't know. I mean, this is gonna make this is gonna break records for the opening weekend, opening week, opening night. This is gonna because as you're seeing, you know, I don't think last time Star Wars was as this Star Wars was as this as as big a deal as it is now was was in 1999 when Phantom Menace came out. But you weren't with me yet, so you weren't experiencing like. Be like, check this out, this trailer. Look at this people thing. Look at this thing. Look, Star Wars is everywhere. Oh, and there also wasn't no YouTube back That's true. then either. There wasn't social media either. Star Wars has been constantly trending on Instagram and Tumblr and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff for a while. Um, merchandising is crazy. Merch- everywhere we go, there's any, merchandise. Any store you go into, pretty much, yeah. There's it's Star like, Wars something. It's like I was saying when we were watching the trailer, I already feel like I saw this movie because... <laughs> I see the merchandise everywhere. You're like, I don't even know who this girl is that plays Ray, but I'm tired of looking at her. I see a lot of the Kylo Ren and a lot of BB-8. Yeah. That's the biggest. Yeah. Well, yeah. We need to get our BB-8 Christmas ornament. I don't see as much about Ray. 
Ray stuff. I see her a lot. Her really? and her and Finn are, seem like they're like the two main heroes of this but movie. She's like a regular person. BB-8 is a cute little robot that looks like a Roomba. Yeah, he does. And goes he around. Goes around. And There's actually been rumors. I don't know if this is confirmed or not because I'm. I don't. I don't want to like say it definitively. But I've heard that BB-8 might actually be a female character. Oh, nice. But I don't haven't heard. I haven't seen that confirmed one way or another. So we'll see. But and then and that makes sense because is BB-8 gonna date R2D2? That'd be crazy. That would make sense, though. That makes sense that you'd see merchandise everywhere because, I mean, a Star the original Star Wars was really the blow-up of, of toys, lunchboxes, clothes, Halloween costumes. That was where that this whole summer blockbuster entertainment And that's why you started. said, does anyone really buy this, uh, Lucasfilm I mean, they because make, of the merchandise? They're going to make more money with merchandising than this movie will. In the long run. They probably like already this, are. This movie will probably hit, will easily hit a billion dollars. Maybe a billion and a half. If, especially if it's going to hit the the numbers that I think it's going to hit. Um, but they'll make that from all the sales of all the stuff right now. In fact, they could I've heard, I heard that they haven't even been spent, they haven't even spent that much comparatively considering how huge a movie this is. They haven't really even spent that much on the marketing budget because they just have promotional deals. And that's like free market. They, that's, that's like free promotion for them. What do you mean by marketing deals? With the promotional deals. So Coca-Cola, put Star Wars on your shit. Oh, or, Cheerios. Exactly. Cereals yeah. and, and like everywhere we go. I mean, we were going to, uh, we were at Barnes and Noble and they had a whole section of Star Wars stuff that I spotted from across the way. So JC I was like, Penny, hey, Star Wars pajamas. Everywhere, every store you go has some manufacturer making some kind of Star Wars product. So mm-hmm. Disney's making so much money just licensing out and like, here, do the Star Wars thing. And all so many companies are lining up to do anything Star Wars because they know it will sell because people love this franchise that much. So gummy snacks. Going back to my... Well, yeah, exactly. Going back to my point from a couple minutes ago, did you realize until this point how, like, huge this franchise is and how, like, everywhere it is and how beloved it is? Probably... I mean, it's not the the highest grossing um, film franchise anymore because it's not adjusted for inflation, that kind of thing. Right now, I think it's... Right now, it's Marvel Cinematic Universe because they've had, like, 11 movies that are all made... You know, eight hundred million and million a three D helps too. Yeah, yeah, that does. So, did you realize? Did you realize that Star Wars was this, this powerful a pop culture force? Pun intended. I mean, I, I did to some extent because Star Wars has been a part of my life forever. Because and, and you're not of, even a much, and you're not even like a hardcore Star yeah, Wars fan. You're exactly. like, would you consider yourself like a casual Star Wars fan? You're like, I watch them; they're good, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll but I'm not it. really a big movie fan in general, though. That's why it's interesting that's when true. I'm on these podcasts. Because well, but but that's good though, because then listeners get me being like, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. But Kai, what did you think? And then you get to be like, Well, I'm here with the more rational perspective because I could just watch this movie as a movie and not necessarily like a life changing event. Right. But I mean, Star Wars has been a part of my life forever. But um, so and I, you know, I I've known people that have been big fans of Star Wars and. But, yeah, I guess I didn't realize how big it was. I mean, I thought, I guess, honestly, I thought that Star Wars was one of those subcultures. Yeah, no. Yeah, you know? Because, you know, I go to, you right. know, you go to, it's like Rocky Horror where people go and they oh, dress yeah, up. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was something like that. And then when I, you know, now with this, where I see every it, single person I know that loves Star Wars and they're going to the theme, you know, they're going um, oh, to you'll the see, Star Wars You'll see on like and, Friday over the weekend, you'll see everybody checking in at theater. But then again, you also got to take into account that we're also in geek 
culture now. Every geek is not subculture anymore. It is well, the I have culture. That, I have my my uh, top ten comic book movie list that's on crookedtable.com. I have it titled "Geek is Good." Uh, because it really, I mean, everything now that used to be like 20 years ago was sort of like, uh, I don't know if I feel, I don't, I don't know, that's 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 for nerdy people or whatever. Star Wars, superheroes. Star Trek still. Star Trek still. I mean, comic books, technology, uh, video games, all of this is like mainstream. And now people look at you weird if you're like, what? You don't like Marvel movies? What the hell's wrong with you? Well, I think really, I think the what is to blame for that um, is Best Buy with Geek Squad. Really? When they coined that Geek Squad as, you know, there were the geeks that were good with technology, that it kind of made, in a way made geek culture. Legitimized a little yeah, bit? Yeah, because I mean, that's sure why it, it he's made, going around being like, Geek Squad, Geek Squad, we're geeks, we're geeks I with think technology. More, it's interesting, too, because all those things, It's what how, what's going on is that you're seeing people that grew up with all those things you know, in their early stages, because our parents, when our parents were kids, the only like comic book or geeky related thing they had was like, you know, Flash Gordon, the, the old Flash Gordon or, you know, the, 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 the black, the black, well, no, I'm saying, I'm not even saying that. that by that time, our parents were in their 20s. I'm saying no, when I mean, they the were Flash kids. Flash Gordon oh, okay, I was the Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Um, or like, you know, those old Ray Harryhausen movies with like, you know, stop motion dinosaurs and that kind of thing. Or the, the George Reeves Superman television series. This is what they had. But when we grew up, you know, when 30 some 30 somethings grew up, we had Star Wars, we had, you know, the real we had Bat we had uh the Michael Keaton Batman. Like pop culture was really already gearing towards this type of thing. And you're seeing now people the beginning of the creative people that grew up with that with all these different uh geek heavy elements in their childhood now growing up and directing a Star Wars movie and directing, you know, Marvel characters in films because these people grew up with this type of thing. I've, I can't tell you how many times I, I read something or listen to a podcast and someone that's directing, you know, the, like, for example, Ryan Coogler, the guy that directed um, the Creed movie that just came out. He grew up with Rocky. That was like a thing that he had with his dad, that they went to see the Rocky movies together. And it was like a huge part of his childhood, the way that Star Wars is for a lot of people. So he grew up wanting that, like, and he basically willed that movie to happen. This this Creed movie to the point that then it was he his take on it was so fresh and so so like awe inspiring that he was able to get Sylvester Stallone to be part of the project and now he's probably going to win an Oscar for reprising the role he played like forty years ago almost. But isn't that interesting how that happens? I mean, we have friends that they have made they've now made their livelihood you know being star uh, being part of yeah. Star Wars experience. Yeah, it's like I love this film so much. I'm going to make this part of my life and part of what I get paid for. You know, I mean, they're taking that Confucius quote to a whole new level. I mean, that, and that's ultimately, I mean, that's the dream to take your passion and do something with it. And that's what, I mean, that's what you're doing every day is you're, you're writing about the things that you care about and that's pop culture and movies. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're getting paid for it and you're talking about it right now. And that's exactly. So there you go. There so you yeah, go. geek culture is in geeks are now cool. Cooler than me because I'm not a geek. I don't. I don't know what I geek out over. So you geek out over office supplies and that's true. Tofu and random <laughs> things that most people are like. You're you're but gee, but you're the real subculture. Is not a, is not a, but not you're a the subculture. Real, tofu is. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> you're the real subculture. You're like I thought Star Wars was subculture. I'm like I don't think you know anything about Star Wars then. <laughs> so any final thoughts as uh, as we wrap up this one? 
No, I think we said a lot, and we'll just continue continue this discussion after the movie. Yeah. So, uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I could say this because by the time I post this, it'll be true. Star Wars: The Force Awakens is now in theaters. Go check it out. Let us know what you what you think. You can reach me on Twitter at Crooked Table, and you can reach Kai me at the Vault Key LLC on Twitter. Um, also, like us on Facebook. Um, visit crookedtable.com for all our latest articles. This episode I'm putting up um, the day that Star Wars The Force Awakens hits theaters. Uh, we will have a follow-up episode that will come out on the following Monday, so uh, the 21st. So keep an eye, keep a lookout for that. If, you know, it might already be posted, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, but yeah, let, let us know what you thought of the movie. I, I would love nothing more than to get into a spirited discussion with, uh, with some Crooked Table But no spoilers listeners. before Friday. Well, but they won't hear this till Friday. Right. Okay. So we should be good. <laughs> okay. Unless I post this Friday morning and then people right. are like tweeting at saying. me like, I can't believe this happened. I'll be like, oh, not yet. I haven't gone yet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So no spoilers until Saturday. Right. Until okay? Saturday. There you go. Until Saturday. Thanks, everybody. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Cricket Table Podcast. Uh, stay tuned for part two of this as Kai and I... Go over our reaction to the film, detailed analysis. I'm going to make her get as geeky about it as I possibly can. So uh, until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Who are you? I'm no one. This is part two of our Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens uh, doubleheader, I guess, is what we're going to go with. Um, we have now already seen the movie. We're recording this Sunday following the film's uh, release. 
so we've had a couple of days to kind of uh, marinate over the the uh, intense goings on of the film. Sort of, uh, we, I think we talked about the movie immediately after when we got home from the theater for like at least an hour or stuff, just going back and forth, and be like, but what about this thing that happened, or what about this character? I don't know how I feel about this, and sort of our general reactions, right? Yes, yes, I remember that. Wow, thanks. Way to contribute. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, since uh, since we already have an episode filled with our hopes and our dreams, or maybe just mine and Kai reacting to it, uh, you can listen to part one uh, of, our po- of this uh, episode. Going forward, we will have spoilers. We will discuss the film in depth, the fates of <coughs> many of the characters, where it leaves us for uh, episode eight, which is due for release in 2017. And uh, so if, if you want to walk into the theater unsullied and you're one of like the five people that didn't contribute to the $500 million worldwide opening weekend that the film had, um, you know, please wait until after this, uh, wait until after you've seen the film to listen to this. And otherwise, you know, you've been warned. So, um, and the movie starts and we meet, uh, Kyle, we actually, we meet Kylo Ren pretty much right away. Like opening scene, which, which was very much, um, a parallel to Darth Vader's introduction in almost the first scene of episode four. And there's a lot of similarities and parallels that we'll get into going forward. Yeah, but, I was wondering if you were going to mention that. Oh, I mean, how can you not mention that? A lot of people that have been writing about this movie have, have noted how it is essentially part sequel, part reboot, part remake in some in some degree. Um, but is that them paying homage or is that lazy uh, screenwriting? A little bit of a little balance between the two. I mean, it's also paying tribute to the earlier films, and if you know if they're trying to reintroduce this after thirty plus thirty two years since the last film that even that you know hardcore fans all pretty much universally embrace. I mean, it makes sense that there that part of that process would involve going back to a lot of the elements of that original trilogy, and sort of you know reintroducing them, reinterpreting them for uh, this next generation of uh, of you know characters. Um, so I guess we should probably, before we start getting into like deep into the film, what was kind of your general impression to, uh, to the movie and, you know, uh, did it, did it meet your expectations? Granted, you you weren't as hyped about this as I was, but did it meet your expectations? Were you bored or were you, you know, how, how did it compare to the other films in the series? And, you know, what was your general rating on, you know, a scale of five? That we normally There's a do? lot of questions. Um, my view, my initial uh, viewpoint on the movie was it actually was pretty good and um we saw it at a we actually saw it in imax imax dome and there was a lot of cheering for you know things for characters that showed up for scenes that happened so that was fun Uh, it's always a fun experience to see movies and to have the audience react so i so i like that and so it was it was a good film i that's you know rob always asks me after every movie says how many stars so I'll give this one four out of five. It's I usually don't go any higher than a four. Like I really or a three and a half or three and a half. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not really. I don't give four and a halfs or fives to very many things. So so it's a four, and I think I, I liked Ray a lot. She was she's a very strong character, and as a female, it was nice to see a female lead, like a female heroine, especially in a Star Wars movie where 
there aren't really that many of them. And then I mean, there's Padme, but Padme she and of, Leia, and that's about it. Yeah, Padme got kind of um, weaker as her storyline went on, and Princess Leia was a little bit more too. She's sometimes too aggressive, you know. Like she, I don't I think she really had like a fine balance of um, like femininity with assertiveness. It was just a lot of times just aggressive. But I think Ray was a nice combination of both of them. I think we talked about that. Yeah, I said um, soon after we saw the movie, I, I, if Ray ends up being a Skywalker descendant, which I mean, I think everybody <coughs> is sort of theorizing that she's going to end up being either Luke's like niece or Luke's daughter or some kind of connection blood-wise to that, to the rest of the original trilogy cast. Uh, she does have a, a nice balance of Padme's compassion and Leia's strength. Um, granted, Padme and Leia were both, you know, both had those attributes, but I felt like Padme was more like the the s- softer, like maternal type, and like you were saying, Leia was always more assertive, more like I can handle this myself, grabbing the gun from Han Solo and shooting the stormtroopers herself in the Episode Four and that kind of thing. But maybe, maybe in the seventies, that's how women take charge. Women were viewed in society, that's and I point. think that having a film like Star Wars and you know, and some other films. Well, this was a really... We were talking about that earlier today. This was a really good year for strong female leads between Mad Max Fury Road and The Hunger Games and, and uh, I, you know, I mentioned Sicario and, and Cinderella even was, like, sort of that same kind of thing, but, like, portraying her really as a strong female uh, figure. Yeah, so it's been... So it's really good to see such strong um, females that are really being characterized the way that I feel like women... Sh- Women are. I mean, we're we're very complicated. I mean, we're assertive, or we're vulnerable, we're compassionate, and we're nurturing. Yet we're we're strong and resilient, and we're a lot more than just, you know, one dimensional. And even Leia, for most of that first movie, was waiting to be rescued on the Death Star, sort of damsel in distress until like the almost like at least midway through, where Luke Luke comes in is like, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Have your droid and with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi, where is he? And then she's like, sort of becomes a little more take charge. But, um, but yeah. So I would probably give this a four point five. I I would love to give it a, a perfect score, but I mean it does rely a lot on previous films. So I have to sort of knock it a little bit because of that. Um, there were several moments in the theater where I was like, my heart was like beating really hard, and I was really breathless, and and. Um, that big moment, Ray's big heroic moment towards the end, again, spoilers, when she catches the lightsaber after... And I, after <coughs> Kylo Ren and Finn are facing off, and Finn is basically out of commission two seconds later, um, and the lightsaber shoots over to Ray, who uses the Force to grab it, that was one of those, like, holy shit moments. Like, evoking the same kind of nostalgic uh, spirit of the originals and excitement... As something like the the big T Rex reveal in, in the end of Jurassic World, only even more so. And and I was and people reacted. That was one of oh the my god, people audience reacted. reactions. And, and that the was one theater. of the few reactions that had nothing to do with hey the Millennium Falcon or look it's Han Solo or there's Luke Skywalker. It was more like holy shit, we're witnessing the like the next huge uh, iconic character in this franchise sort of taking taking charge of her destiny. You know, when you think about it, yeah, it is really exciting that there's a Star Wars movie outside of the the three the three original films. I mean, that's well, pretty the, exciting because I guess everybody want to know. That's well, I you know mean, everybody wants taking place afterwards. Yeah, taking oh, place okay, afterwards. Okay. You know, this is the first time in history that we're seeing a Star Wars movie after 
what happened for almost 40 years ago now. Yeah. And this is the last time we're going to have a decade or more of, of hype in between films, probably for a long, long, long time. Because, I mean, it's been a decade since Revenge of the Sith, and that was supposed to be the last movie. It was, I mean, it was George Lucas's eyes that was sort of like the end of the Vader story, which has kind of been the running theme throughout. Um, and now we're going to be getting a film every year, alternating between, you know, official episodes and then the standalone movies. So, I mean, yeah, people have been waiting 30-something years to, to see, you know, okay, what happened to Luke? What happened to Han? What happened to Leia? And the movie, one of the things I would sort of knock a, again a little bit is that that ending is like, the ending is so powerful and, and exciting, but I'm like, oh man, I would have liked a little more Mark Hamill. Just, he didn't even say anything. Just like a sentence, a phrase, a word, something. That was, that drove me a little crazy. I was like, oh man, I want to watch episode eight right now and I have to wait two years. Well, um, it's better than waiting 10. Right, that's true. And, you know, back in the day, I mean, you know, we all grew up with the all the other movies were, I mean, not the prequels, but the original trilogy with with these characters was all on video and or DVD. And you can basically just pick it up and be like, all right, next one. You know, it's it's been a while for a Star Wars film of this quality to come out and then for us to then be like, have, then be forced <coughs> to wait years until the next story. I mean, I, I, I went through some of that with uh, the prequels, but I mean, come on, this... This is a better movie than all three of those, like, uh, easily, in my eyes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, Would I mean, you... I watched all of them consecutively, so, recently. So, yeah, I think this movie was pretty good. It wasn't, um, there was weren't as many plot holes, there weren't so many, oh my gosh, did they just say that? Moments, and... Nobody talked about sand. Yeah. There was a lot of sand, though. There was. There was a sand planet. Yeah, but there was, uh, there was a love story, so we'll see... We'll hopefully see how that goes. In, um, about, are you talking about Finn and Ray? Yes. There was a, there was inklings of an attraction. More on his end, which I thought was cool. It wasn't her being like, I'm in love, I have feelings for you, Finn. It's more him being like, so you got, you got a boyfriend? You got a cute boyfriend? You know what's going on? What's the deal with that? And, uh, oh my God, he was great. Okay, I guess we should, let's let's focus in. Oh, we, we kind of did our general impression, so let's focus in now. On the on the cast, the new cast, the old cast, and then we can get into story details from there. So, <coughs> I uh, I did see uh, John Boyega in Attack the Block. I was telling you this earlier today, and I, I I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to it. I'm pretty sure I was doing something else, and it was streaming on Netflix. Or it was late at night, so I wasn't really I wasn't really. I actually now have it again to try and give it another shot now that I, I've seen him in this. But he was really charismatic as hell in this. And very, uh, very funny. He had a lot of the uh, the comic relief, sort of the ev- sort of the everyman of the story in a way, which is weird because he's a stormtrooper, but he's not because he I mean he, had, he there was that line where he literally said, "I was about to do my, you know, I was in my first battle and I you know I couldn't I couldn't kill for them. I just couldn't do it and that kind of thing." And I thought that was a real that was something fresh that we hadn't seen in these movies before in a perspective that. You know, we've had people go from Jedi to Sith Lord and back, but we have never had someone like one of the like henchmen for for the Empire, or in this case, the First Order, being like, "Yeah, no, I don't want to do this. This is not. This doesn't feel right. This is not where I belong." And sort of and feeling a responding to a calling elsewhere. Yeah, no, that's that was definitely um, a good thing because I like it when I see characters do the right thing and show integrity in their actions, and definitely Fen had. A lot of integrity with that and was an interesting character because you know he wasn't being he wasn't being completely honest with Ray because he liked her and was worried that if she found out he was a stormtrooper 
in the past, then she wouldn't like him anymore. But he had to step up, be a man, and say, hey, you know, I'm not who you think I am. And um, and I think that's a lot of, that was a lot of Hans... Hans influence. influence. He's, he's as like, well. oh, women. Women are gonna find out the truth. You know, always. It's not kind of thing, right? Yeah. And um, I like how the trailers in the poster are, are painting him as like our new hero. And then you know, of course, it ends up being revealed that it is. He's he's not the the center of this new story. Um, he's he seems like he's more of the. I don't know, more the Han Solo or the Leia out of the story than the Luke, because Rey is clearly the Luke Skywalker. She's the chosen one. She's the one that felt the Force calling to her. I mean, the title refers to the Force Awakening. But her, but she's also on the poster. Yeah, yeah, but she is. But she, like but, that, well, the one we saw in IMAX was just her and BB-8. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I, she I'm was referring. Front and I'm referring more to all the the uh, trailer footage and the poster where Finn is holding the lightsaber and like he, and they like they hyped up this lightsaber fight between him and Kylo Ren. That didn't really happen. That wasn't very much for Finn to do there. He was not the one that was really holding his own. So I, and I thought that was all really smart misdirection on the part of the movie. <coughs> um, and they had amazing chemistry together. BB-8. And the, oh, that BB-8. Whole, BB-8 was great. And just as much... BB-8 as, is cuter than R2-D2, I think. Yeah. Because he's more expressive. Yes. And I did find out, we did find out that um, IMDB did say, did write that BB-8 was the original model for um, for R2-D2, but at the time, they didn't have the capability yeah. to do that. So then BB-8, R2-D2 has now been reborn into BB-8. So Yeah, the concept art or whatever, yeah. like the digital design, yeah. Not the character. No, 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 yeah. They didn't worry, R2-D2, R2-D2 he's, he's in there. <laughs> and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, but, you know, BB-8 was just as much of a highlight as, you know, the promotion for this movie would, would have uh, entailed. Or, or implied, um, because, you know, they were going all over the place at Comic-Cons and stuff, showing off the little robot rolling around, because that was a practical effect. That was not... There was, there was I don't think... Hardly any point where BB-8 was CG. That was a real robot, real thing that they created with a remote wow, control. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cute trying to go down the stairs. Yeah, going one time. at a time, and, like, yeah. Very, uh, very expressive as far as... The, the fact that his little headpiece could wiggle around, and, like, I was telling you... He he can like you know he was there was a moment where Finn, Ray's like oh, or Finn is like tell tell her where the base is and he's like looking between Finn and Ray and Finn and Ray trying to decide what should he what he should do <coughs> or or later on or and then after when he when he said the uh, he told her where it was um, Finn gives him the little thumbs up and BB-8 does the little the little flame thumbs up thing that was super cute he was he was very endearing and. Uh, Pretty much right in right from the beginning of this of the movie, I was I was already involved. I was already invested in Finn, BB-8, Ray, Poe Dameron, who po- Oscar Isaac has been doing stellar work for years, and it's nice to see him in a film of this you know this size and scope. Of course, we're going to see that again in like five months when X Men comes out. And in case you all don't know, um, Oscar Isaac was also in that movie that not that many people saw, but was a Sucker Punch. Yeah, the Zack Snyder. I movie. think that was the first that movie was, we saw him that in. That was the yeah, that was the first movie we saw him in. He was really great in that too. That was only four years villain. ago. Look at all the things he's been doing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, and I'm sure that he wanted to be in this movie. I mean, I'm sure that. Well, I read earlier today that that was supposed to be a small role. So early in the film, when Poe Dameron is presumed dead, like I guess the character was really supposed to die there, and then it was really just supposed to take over Finn and Ray's story from that point. 
but of course, you know, he ends up showing coming back later later on and being more instrumental in the the resistance side of things. And hopefully, being back, you know, hopefully he'll be one of the main major players going forward with episode eight and nine. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, but yeah, we didn't get very much of him. But I think this was more like, hey, there's this guy. He's really cool, and he he has some great funny lines with. When the interrogation scene with Kylo Ren, he's like, so who talks? Do I talk? Do you talk? How does this work? Um, there were a lot of funny lines in general. Yeah, it was a very humorous film, which I'd heard about, like, the day or so beforehand. Uh, just, like, from, you know, some, like, um, reactions that I'd, I'd read without really getting deep into it. Because I didn't... I, I avoided pretty much all the reviews. I mean, I heard that it was positive buzz going into it, but I didn't really read anything because I was trying to remain as, as unsullied as possible. So... Um, I think it was really just to establish that he's in this world, and then they'll do. Um, presumably, they'll do more more with that character in the sequels. But, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see Oscar Isaac in here, and uh, he did a great job. They all really did. But Daisy Ridley, Daisy Ridley, she was she was kind of a revelation in this movie, and she essentially stole the whole film. I would venture to say that Ray was an even more compelling character in this film than Luke Skywalker was in the original trilogy. I I don't know what what it is about her. She's just got more of a prem, pre, uh, more of a presence, and more um, more of a vulnerability about her, like a world weariness. Whereas Luke and Anakin were both kind of whiny and like spoiled kids who who were then exposed to how complex the world really was. <coughs> you know, Ray sort of already knew about that. She was a scavenger and like hunting down for parts so she could like get some of this gross globby stuff to eat. Well, was that was supposed that? to be bread? I think it was supposed to, I think it it's like, I think it was, because um, it looked like the packages, the quarter portion, whatever, it looked like that was vacuum sealed. So it looked like she was putting it in a pan and then like adding some water and it was like dehydrated food or something, which was very much of a, you know, kind of a an astronaut type of yeah. Uh, type of technology, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because it looks like it's a post. See, that's the thing with Star Wars. It look some of these um, worlds look like they're post apocalyptic, yet it's still the fu- It's still in a different galaxy. Right. So that's that's so that's interesting to me. I'm not sure why they had her on a desert planet called Jakku. I mean, why didn't they just why didn't they just make it Tatooine again? I mean, because that's too repetitive. I mean, there were so many parallels and and references to the original trilogy it's like why not just make a tattoo we all know that it's a tattooing stand-in i don't understand the point of that yes exactly well one of my questions is who was that guy in the beginning of the movie are we ever going to know who that that is that was max von Sydow, the actor um i don't know if i don't know how important that is some people have speculated that that character might be more important later on in like some of the novels or some of the spin-off films and that kind of thing and they'll establish him as a younger version Elsewhere, and then that sort of explain why what he's doing here early on. But if you don't read the comic books and you don't know anything about that, then how are you supposed to know about it for the movie? You don't have to. He's just a guy. But he was an important enough guy that Poe Dameron came back to that planet. Well, to get the the map to Luke Skywalker. Well, how come that guy had the map to Luke Skywalker? He must be important. I guess, but I mean, it's all the movies sort he of. Says, he even said about Princess Leia or General Leia. Now he says she's she's royalty to me. Yeah. And so clearly, he already had a very he close relationship with her. Well, she was a princess at one point, and her mom was queen before that. So, I wonder how much of that he actually knows. See, it's funny that Leia got to grow up in you know with under royalty, and Luke had to grow up under like Tatooine. Right, pretty much. But at, at least they were left with family. Yeah, he wasn't a slave like his like his dad was. At least. Yes, that's true. It's interesting how it's a multi generational story, story, right? Yes. 
But I think, I think that Ray is Luke's daughter, because my reasoning for thinking this is that when when Leia and Han see Ray, well, first Han Han sees her first. There wasn't much recognition, much attachment to her. I mean, if that's his daughter, you know, you'd think that he would care about her too, not just about Kylo Ren, the son that he lost. It just didn't seem like he's just well, like, oh. But he, he did. I mean, he tried to, like, offer her a job under the guy, which seemed like he was more like, you're, you're, you're a good person. I want to have you around. Make sure you're safe and that kind of thing. I don't know. Right? But wonder um, why that he couldn't, I mean, he didn't. Well, Leia, huffs, Leia, Leia straight up hugs her at the end. But so that right, that could be a sign really that's met. her aunt. Right. Yeah. No, I know. There's definitely some kind of connection there, but it would also really convolute the story if that's their daughter. It's like, well, how did that happen? How was why did why why did was she left somewhere? Right. I mean, but if it was Luke and Luke was like ashamed of what he inadvertently did to his nephew, uh, it makes sense why you'd be like, yeah, this kid that I have, I, I don't, I don't, I'm just gonna fuck up her life too. I'm going to leave you here and then take off and then, you know, maybe come back at some point. Right. Um, well, so that would, est- would establish that. And she did have that vision, which looked like it had some flashbacks to when she was a little girl. Right. right. And it was all involving Luke, involving Kylo Ren. And like she has the rub. She has a uh, rebel helmet that looked like the one Luke wore in the original trilogy when he was in the X-Wing. Oh, what? In I didn't beginning, see that. She was sitting, she was sliding down, oh, yeah, right. down the sand, and she's like sitting there watching the ships take off while she's eating her little bread thing, and she has this helmet on, and she's just kind of chilling. Right. I even heard that she had a doll that looks sort of like Luke, but I don't remember that. And when I see that, I haven't seen this film a second time yet, obviously, but, uh, well, not obviously, some people see it like three or four <laughs> times right. now. But, I mean, I, I haven't gotten a chance to yet. I, I will be doing <coughs> that, though. But, um, but yeah, um, there was just too much closeness, too much attachment to Luke to have her be Han and Leia's child. It right. just one because they didn't have, they didn't really seem like they were very attached to her as their daughter, and and then two, yeah, it was too convoluted for the story. I mean, why? Yeah, have one son, one child that you raised that then went bad, and then another child that got abandoned, and then three. Just she just seems so connected to Luke. With her, with her flashbacks and well, she's essentially the, supposed to be lightsaber. She's essentially supposed to be the Luke Skywalker of the story. So I mean, it sort of makes sense a little bit why her story, why her she would, she would feel like she has like such a connection to that character already. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I like that they didn't explain everything in this movie though, too, because then then there wouldn't be as much mystery or anticipation surrounding I mean, we would be excited about episode eight, but now we're like, oh, shit, now what does this mean? What is Luke doing? Is he bad? What's he doing with his saber? Is he going to, like, train her now, or is he going to be like, thanks for the saber, get out of here? I mean, or are they related? Or what's, you know, they leave a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke made a reference to bring Kylo Ren to me, I'm going to complete his training. The fuck does that mean? Complete his training how? Why wasn't his training complete? Because uh, he seems theory, very Darth Vadery to me. My theory is um, that he's like, there's something I have to do, but I don't know if I can. And when he finally, spoilers, when he finally uh, slays his, his own father, I think that Supreme Leader Snoke was like, yeah, I want to train you and make you like, a, a, you know, a le- you know, legit uh, Sith Lord or whatever, um, whatever title they're going to use and tr- complete your training. But you have to resolve that conflict within yourself and maybe Kylo Ren in his mind that was to to kill his father right sort of similar terrible well yes but um 
What a way to go out, Han Solo. Sort of like you remember in Return of the Jedi. Luke is like, um, you know, oh, is Vader my father? And then Obi-Wan and, Va- and uh, Yoda are, are basically confirmed, like, yeah, your father he is, and that kind of thing. You have to face him. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't kill my own father. And then Obi-Wan's like, then the Emperor's already won. It's like, this is your final, This is we need you to face Vader. To really, and only then will you be a Jedi. Only then can we bring balance to the Force. So it's sort of like the dark, fucked up, perverted version of that in this movie. Supreme Leader Snoke probably... They both sound dark and perverted to me. Well... How are they different? But Vader is bad and needs to be stopped. Kylo Ren is doing this to appease his master. And to to quiet his tormented soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's still bad. All of it's bad. It's all death and destruction. But I mean... um, But why why is Jedi encouraging there to be murder. Not murder. You have to face Vader and defeat him. Which is De- killing. Yeah, but if it's not in cold blood, you, you give him a chance to defend himself. It's different. It's like it's like a samurai or, or like, uh, you know, Knights of the Round Table type of mentality. If you defeat them in battle, that's not... It's not like you walk up behind them and stab them in the back. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I'm I'm almost positive that Snoke instructed Kylo Ren to 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 basically do that. And now that he's done, now that he's completed that task, now he can complete his training. That's How does Snoke know this? I don't know. We they don't know who the, we don't know who the hell. Well, I'm sure the witnesses or <coughs> I mean, who knows? There are only four he can witnesses. Sense it. Who there the only hell three knows? witnesses. He can sense in the force. He can sense it in the force. Okay, it's a, I guess. Okay. It's a, ultimately it's a fantasy, and they can explain anything away if they really want to. Um, but yeah, he could probably sense it or something. Um, but we don't even know who Snoke is. Remember we talked about last podcast about, oh, is that Darth Plagueis or is that something else? Or how does he fit with anything? We didn't really get any of that, any of those answers here. However, I was right about Kylo Ren being Han's kid. Yes, Han yeah, kid. you are. We don't know about Rey yet either, but, but we'll, I mean, we'll get there. I, I, I feel like it's going to get to that point where people are going to be disappointed if she's not connected to them somehow. By blood, you right. Know? Well, it's like you said in the last podcast. The Kathleen Kennedy wants to continue the story of the Skywalker family. Mm-hmm. Well, if Ray's gonna be, you know, she's the main star of this franchise now, then I would assume she's a Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Or else, why do we so. care about her? I don't care she's, about her. If she's a Skywalker. If she's not one, I still care about her. She's kind of awesome. She was probably she was probably the best character in the movie. Which you know is encouraging because the lead character of the uh, last trilogy. Was bitching about sand the whole time. And, <laughs> and then his son bitched no. about things being unfair. Yeah. His son is like, oh, I want to go up to Power- Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. That kind of thing. No, but Ray was ma- instantly magnetic. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that Daisy really can transform this, can kind of use this movie as a launch pad to like a really strong and prosperous career. Because I think she can. I think she can do it. I think... Um, Everybody's going to walk out and be like, who the hell was that girl? And this is really her first, like, real major movie. I mean, she's only been in, I think, I think maybe one other film feature on IMDb, and it was something that didn't have very many ratings, so I'm assuming it's super indie or, or something like that. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was very exciting. We didn't, we, we haven't maybe talked about... Maybe she was a movie she did in her theater class, because she went to, she actually went to a theater school in uh, England. Are you reading, were you reading up on the trivia? I what I always read up on the trivia, uh, but it was I didn't finish it because it's too long um, already. It's too long already. Well, it's Star Wars. I mean, there's a lot of this has been reported as this movie's been going through production and all. Right, that. I know, but the other ones are really long too. 
Right. And this one just came out, so I can only imagine the more trivia they're going to add to it. Uh, we didn't talk about Kylo Ren, though, of the, of the main new character. So how did you feel about him as as a villain, as a, you know, a complex, um, you know, <coughs> main figure in this new trilogy and sort of, in, I guess, comparing to Vader, which is clearly his inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I think he did, um, I think he did a, a decent job. I mean, he it was definitely intimidating and his... Um, he was stronger with the Force than Darth Vader was. I mean, Darth Vader was doing, like, a chokehold Darth thing. Vader was also more of a... He was also... Well, first, he was older. Secondly, if the Force relies on midichlorians, which I know, whatever, but we'll, we'll ignore that, it's in your bloodstream. At this point, Vader was, like, an armless, legless, like, stump of a man, basically. True, true. He was all machine, so he lost a lot of his abilities to use the Force. I mean... Anakin in Revenge of the Sith was much stronger before he got cut down and burnt to death, basically, almost. Um, so that's that's a lot of that. And he's not even... And Kylo Ren's not even fully trained. Can you imagine? He's going to be more powerful than Anakin was in right. the three if if, uh, if this is any indication. Yes. I mean, I didn't like the fact when he took off his mask. He's just like, oh, it's the guy that works at Starbucks down the street. Right. <laughs> I didn't want him to take off his mask, but I understood... The, the scenes to why he did that. Right. The scene with, um, when we first see him do that with Ray, and then when we see him do that with his dad. I mean, I get that. It's more showing vulnerability, like showing I'm not afraid. I don't I don't need a mask to be his mask was bad. Pretty, his mask is pretty badass, and his lightsaber is pretty badass. Yes. And he had a lot of amazing moments. Like in the beginning, uh, I think Poe Dameron, someone, I think it's Poe Dameron, shoots a blaster at him, and the like blaster bolt... It like stops midair. He stops it with the force, and you see it like sitting there. And then he like, and so he pulls, he takes, gets, he gets Poe Dameron, he kills a bunch of people, whatever, makes some orders, and then walks away. And then, and then you see the blaster bolt finish flying across the screen. Holy crap, that was some cool stuff. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, the very beginning, and that where you know he he takes Poe and uh, and tortures him. Wow. Yeah, I guess I don't remember that scene with the blast the blaster. Just you know, obviously I remember when he was being tortured. Right. But. Right. But kind of to talk a little bit about a plot hole um, related to the Kylo Ren story is that, well, well, Ray really, but I think it was a plot hole that Ray was so good with her Jedi powers because Luke had to train for months to even have the ability to move things with his mind and to uh, do the Jedi Jedi mind trick and and to even yeah, use a lightsaber. Even, and she even, was just, she just got it. Yeah, Luke didn't even, uh, he didn't even do a Jedi mind trick until Re- Return of the Jedi. Oh. Which was after after two movies of learning stuff from Obi-Wan and then Yoda. I'm, I'm backing you up. Yeah, right. Saying. Yeah, I just, I, that to me, I just, I mean, it's a really cool moment and it's great that she's, you know, showing. And that the Stormtrooper were voiced by Daniel Craig in a, in a cameo there. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know about it until... I'm going to have to... When I rewatch the movie, I'm going to have to pay attention and be like, hey, is that James Bond? Um, because I didn't even notice it this time. And there, are three, there are three British people in this movie. Yeah, John, Boye- John Boyega. Did you count him? Yep. John Daisy Boyega, Ridley Daisy and Daniel Craig. Oh, and uh, Damal Gleeson. Oh, and yeah, Gwendo- I too. Gwendolyn Christie as Captain who, Phasma. Who, by the way, was... Peter Young's from Africa, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, I mean, Gwendolyn Christie, Captain Phasma was kind of a waste of a character. I mean, I guess we're going to see more of her in the sequel, but I'm not interested. What happened to her? I thought she died or something. She killed her. I don't know. I don't know what they did. I don't care. I don't really care about her. I was sort of uninterested in her. I like her her costume, though. That was pretty neat. Yeah, the chrome Stormtrooper style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, I just think there was a plot hole with that. She just... 
Ray was a little too good. Well, some, I mean, we also don't know her background. We don't know where she came from. If, why is she a pilot? If she is a, I don't know, she flies things around on that, on that, pla- on that planet. Who knows? Um, if she is a Skywalker, that would explain a little bit of that natural inclination towards the Force. Leia doesn't, uh, Leia never studied the Force. She could feel things in it and stuff. True. She could sense in Empire Strikes Back. She's like, I know where Luke is. Remember? Yeah. When he's dangling there with his one hand, he's like, Leia. She's like, I'm Luke. She can hear him. True. She, she didn't train shit. She didn't even know. They didn't even but know. But did she also know time. that because that's her brother? She didn't know that that was her brother at the time, though. Oh, true. Okay. So, plus in the flashback with Ray, we see her as a little girl. We don't know if her dad, if Luke is her dad, we don't know if she was learning some of the Jedi stuff beforehand. And, like, he started to teach her things or talk to her about it. And maybe that's why she remembered she, the whole Jedi mind trick then. She could she, she could have repressed some of this, these memories. We don't know. She doesn't seem like she knows a whole lot about what happened before, she, you know, before she, her family left. Yeah, so, just again, been waiting. That's why we have two more sequels. So we'll, we'll hear a lot more about that, I'm sure. Um, so Kylo Ren, I think it was interesting that when he took off the helmet, or I guess it's more of a mask than a helmet, when he took off the mask, he he didn't have any like he wasn't scarred or any anything any kind of disfigurement going on. Whereas you know Vader's whole thing was he, he um, you know he was burned alive or whatever and all that. He stuff. couldn't even breathe. Right, so he was dependent on the on the mechanical suit to keep him alive. Kylo Ren's all his scars and all his like complexities seem to be. Uh, emotional and psychological, like uh, being torn between the dark and the light, and actually being tempted to the light for once, which we've never really seen a bad character be tempted towards the light side. We've seen a l- good character be tempted towards the dark side a couple of times, but we've never seen a bad character that was anything other than absolute evil. I mean, right. Darth Maul, Sidious, Count Dooku, like we didn't see anything redeeming really in any of these guys. Just wonder what happened to him that he. Well, you know, basically betrayed his family by going to the dark side, and that he betrayed his his uncle, um, his his uh, teacher to go to the dark side. Like, what happened in his childhood that made him just feel such a just want to disconnect so much? I mean, I'd like to think there was a lot, you know, right. a lot of love there. Unlike well, Anakin, I mean, I mean, think about of- think about the uh, the first movie in A New Hope. We don't really know a lot about any of those people's backstories. It's not until the sequels where you they really flesh everything out. And you're like, oh, that's why Luke, blah 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 blah. So I'm, ass- I'm assuming we'll I'm assuming we'll get a lot more of that on behalf of his, you know Ray and uh, Ray and Kylo Ren since they do seem to be the two opposing figures of this trilogy um, going forward. So who do we think Finn is related to? I don't know if he's going to be related to anybody. I heard rumors that he would be related to Lando. Uh, but honestly, I almost sort of hope that he's not. Because, I mean, each of these trilogies has, like, one African-American male in it. It's like, would we really need to have him be related to one of the other two? Either Mace Windu or Lando Calrissian? It's like, I don't know. Well, I think that was the original initial theory because he had, um, in the trailer, had the lightsaber. And it's like, oh, well, that would be more Mace he Windu knows than the, Lando. Yeah, he knows the, the ways of the Force. But now that he was just a stormtrooper guy, then he he could just be a stormtrooper guy. Plus, he even said, "I just got my name. Like I just became F F N two one eight seven. Was it was it two one eight seven? Yeah, nobody it. really had asked him. He just that became who he was. So yeah, he was taken from his family when he was a kid, so and trained by the first order. Um, yeah, so I don't know if we're gonna. I mean, I, we don't really need to know everybody's backstory to this extent. But I mean, Ray and Kylo Ren, I'm sure we'll get lots more about that. 
going forward in the in the next movie. So do we want to talk a little bit about all the parallels between this one and episode four sure. and how it's a little a little uh, excessive? So first of all, we come into the movie and you meet the bad guy who's wearing a mask and has a like deep like oh, like um, has a deep voice that sounds like it's sounds like it's exaggerated by some kind of mechanical uh, you know alterations. Um, coming in and killing a bunch of people and taking a hostage. Meanwhile, that hostage put some vital information into a droid who's like runs away with it onto a desert planet and runs into... Well, they were already on the desert planet. I know. Whatever. Well, instead of sending him from space and landing on a desert planet. Right. Okay. Whatever. Sam, I'm, I'm give me my bra. I'm getting... I'm, these are broad strokes, obviously. And then finding a person who has an untapped ability to harness the force who ends up getting swept up in a, uh, you know, in a larger adventure involving Han Solo and Leia and this rebellion against the government. And there was a lot of that. Like, the story is essentially episode four. It's a little bit different. To the point that they even take down, they're even attacking Starkiller Base, which is a, a different shaped Death Star, basically, that blows up planets. Um... I mean, I, I could have personally, I could have done without Starkiller Base, and when that whole attack was going on, I kind of was not. I didn't really give a shit about that. I was more, way more invested in Han and Kylo Ren and Rey and all the like personal family drama happening between between those characters rather than oh, we're gonna we gotta shoot this thing and blow it up again before I do, like yeah, this is the third time we've seen that. I, I don't know. How? What are your reaction? What's your thought about? What are your thoughts about? All the parallels to this to the original film, I mean, to the point where we even had a, a mentor to one of our new characters get slain right in front of them. I mean, that whole Kylo Ren killing Han Solo on the bridge, which which is a clear homage to Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, "You and me can you know just take all, overthrow the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son." Right on, a, which again happened like on a catwalk. But Ky- Kylo Ren didn't say that. No, to Han no, Solo. I'm not saying that. He said the exact. But same he said words. it to Ray. So that's definitely a parallel. Well, I mean, they you all did the say bad guys Ray. do that. He's like, you're, you know, you're knowledgeable about the Force. I can. You need a teacher. I can. Yeah. I can train you. And so that's that is definitely a parallel. Just a different. But the catwalk. I mean, it's a similar. It's a similar setting to Empire Strikes Back. Right. Yeah. And I mean, she he uh, he kills Han Solo, who was has, was positioning himself to be sort of a father figure to Ray, right in front of Ray as she's watching, going almost going no, just like that part where Ben Kenobi gets killed by Vader in that lightsaber battle in the original film. There was a lot of that to the point where I, I was sort of being, I was, it was sort of becoming easy for me to predict where this was going to go. I'm like, I'll say this and then this and then this. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. Um, and how would they, and how would the, the screenwriter even not think that people are going to jump to those conclusions? If you're such a star, a, a, a fanatic star Wars fan, then you're, you've clearly have seen the movies thousands of times over. Right. So it, so I'd like to think that it was more of an homage compared to lazy screenwriting. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, I mean, they were trying to capture the nostalgia and the spirit of the original films. And I mean, it's not like it was an exact remake, but there was enough, there were enough moments that seemed almost directly lifted out of the original film for me to sort of, to, for me to, to knock the film a little bit just because of that. However, I mean, the way they, the story they set it up for, for in episode eight with Ryan Johnson writing, I think writing and directing, um... That that that's positioned to probably be the best to prob to probably be even better than this movie because now you don't have to be like here's this girl here's this stormtrooper guy who's not a stormtrooper anymore here's this other scary b- 
black guy in black. Uh, the scary black. I almost said scary black guy. <laughs> not not Finn. I'm talking about Kyle Ryan. Uh, scary guy wearing all black with a red lightsaber. Here's Luke and Leia. You know who all they who they are. This is what happened. This is their motivation. Let's go. And I uh, I think in the next movie they can basically pick it up from there, and uh, and you know really really take off and um, bring a lot more imagination and innovation to the story that we didn't get a chance to see in this one because it was in a lot of ways sort of a reintroduction. Right, exactly. It was like an origin story. Sort of. Plus, right. I mean, you know, George Lucas, I mean, granted he wasn't involved in this movie, but he said with the two trilogies, there is a lot of parallels and a lot of um, moments and story beats that happen, again, slightly differently to different characters or whatever, but they kind of callbacks. Like and, history repeating itself. Like history repeating itself, and also like he's referred to the saga as sort of poetry or sort of music and how it comes around and there's certain notes or refrains that that are repeated uh you know throughout the the, the full piece um and there was a lot of that here so it's just for me it went slightly over the line of being of falling into that and almost to the point of like another death star another this come on really let's do something I like star killer base that's a cool name well actually that's funny because star killer they named it that because in the original version of episode 4 the main character was named Luke Starkiller. Oh, yeah, right. The, the, wasn't the, that, was that in I, the trivia, too? It was. And wasn't that actually a Flash Gordon name? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Flash Gordon was a big inspiration for the original yes, film. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, the original Flash Gordons from, like, the 40s and 50s, the ones that Lucas grew up with, not the uh, Flash, oh, savior of the universe, that movie in 1980. That, no, that's a totally separate thing. Oh, yeah, right. Well, Because you remember in Ted, uh, Sam Jones, the blonde guy that, that, that played Flash Gordon on the show, on that movie in, back in the 80s. That's it's totally separate. That was, like, that was the, the 1980 reboot of Flash Gordon from, like, the 40s or whatever. Um so yeah, so I mean, I, I think the next film could could be a lot better, and I, I I'm really I'm just really excited to see what happens next for these characters. But as for this one, I mean, it, it did an excellent job of capturing the the of spirit of the original films, and uh, referencing you know, referencing the backstory of the returning characters enough that it plays into the current. Um, the current events of the of the story, but not really being like, oh, so Leia, give me your whole history. It's like I don't have to know. They were together. Then I had a kid. They're not together now. She's you know running things again. That's all I need to know. They both fall back into the things they know. I mean, they they do enough of that without sort of like hand feeding you exposition. Whereas the prequels were like, okay, we're gonna tell you how the politics of Naboo work. And let's let's talk about the Senate hearing and let's tell about them. Like, nobody gives a shit. Focus on the story. You go to Star Wars. To get that that rush of, of enthusiasm, that excitement, that um, that connection to you know to when you've seen these movies bef- bef- in the past, to feeling like a kid again, and then like that sense of adventure where you're gonna walk out and buy a lightsaber, and be like, I can't wait to buy a lightsaber toy for me and my my kids so we can play lightsaber fights in the backyard. And I'm like, oh, this time I'm Kylo Ren, and you'll be you know you be you know Ray, that kind of thing. Um, or Darth Vader, Obi Wan, you know, whatever film you're, you're referencing, and that's that's what this these these movies are about. They're myth, they're mythological tales that are meant to be taken from one generation and passed down to the next. So it makes sense that each trilogy of films would focus on that next generation, and create a new story for a new generation of characters and audience members to be inspired by. Right, and I think that we're definitely also in a time of films that are doing generational getting new generations i'm glad you mentioned that that's yeah that's a good point i mean look at creed 
which is basically bringing back Sylvester Stallone as Rocky and introducing, all right, this this other new character was the, the child of this other character that Rocky was close to. So now he's like, he's the mentor figure. He's the, he's the Harrison Ford, you know, of the Force uh, in The Force Awakens. Well, there's that. And then there's also going back in time where, you know, you have X-Men Apocalypse or well, at least starting with X-Men Days of Future Past. Right. Where it's the older generation that's now coming and as a new generation of X-Men. Right. So we're going to be seeing X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men in the 80s. So now the the characters that we've known in modern time, they will be disappearing pretty much probably for good. And so there's that too. Just Right. Just in reverse. And I'm sure there are other movies. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that happening. But, uh, I mean, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is for technically a new generation yeah. of the same turtles. Yeah, but, but that's, a re- that's a straight up reboot. I mean, there's a difference between, like, um, taking a franchise and, like, I, I don't know who, who coined this. I wish I could, I, I, you know, made a mental note of that. But the legacy sequel, where it's like, a, it's a sequel, but it's. It's taking it's it's start like marking a new era of that story within that same universe as the previous stories, because I mean nobody wants to see a remake like a straight up remake of the original Star Wars. They can remake elements of it and bring the original characters back and introduce new ones to sort of like a passing of the torch film, and that's or lightsaber exa- and that <laughs> that too. Well, I mean, and this was literally a passing of the lightsaber, actually. Uh, I mean, and that's essentially what this film is. Well, then there's also um, films that, uh, like Independence Day two, that's not a reboot. That is that is a sequel that's going to have a new. It's going to have the old generation and a new generation. Right. So there's probably going to be a new president who might be the son of the old. I think president. it's Celia Ward. I think she's playing the president. I think she's in the trailer. That's what I've read. Oh, so she's we'll the have first a lady. One I forgot. No, no, we're oh. not. Well, so we'll have a lady president in the in Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible. I'm thinking something else. I've just bought Mission Impossible the Nation on Blu-ray, so I'm like Mission Impossible. We need to pop that in. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that and that's interesting too because they're bringing back some of those original characters, the older ones, but then also like there's a new there's new actors playing um, Bill Pullman's daughter and Will Smith's son. So so they'll probably be you know the main characters in that franchise. It's too bad it's not going to be his daughter from the actual movie because at this point, women. Yeah. It should have just been Mae Whitman. Yeah, but it's so cool because she... She's still was the same, You know, she was... I know. That, that was only 20 me. years ago, you know? And she was probably only about eight years old. She could she could have been in the... In the, in the maybe, maybe she didn't want to be in it. Too. Yeah, I, maybe, or maybe they didn't ask her because they were like, we need somebody different. And I'm like, well, that's kind of shitty to do, but okay. Uh, now we're talking about Independence Day. Right. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, it, the, the, the goal for J.J. Abrams in this film was to... was to honor the original trilogy... And give it a fresh start. And I feel like he did exactly that. Like, I, I'm super excited. Like, to the point that I, I mean, I mentioned this to you earlier. I'm more excited to see what the future has in store for Ray. Like, fuck Luke Skywalker. And I can't believe I'm saying that. But I'm excited to see what happens with him. But I'm really like, this girl has, the actress and the, and the character have just, like, are just so compelling to watch every step of the way. All the moments where, and I loved all the moments that the movie went out of its way to be like, yeah, she's not a damn blue in this dress. When he, Finn's like grabbing her hand and running with her and she's like, stop grabbing my hand. I know how to run without holding, holding her hand. That kind of thing. Or like where she's being like jumped by some people in the market or whatever because uh, she's trying to protect BB-8 from getting stolen. And Finn's like, shit, I need to go help that girl. And he's like, gets up and about to run over there and then she kicks everybody's ass. He's like, all right, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Thought, all that was great that they established that she is self-sufficient. She doesn't need somebody to help to save her, 
and you know she's the one that does the saving and i thought that was that was wonderful for especially for a franchise that has been woefully uh underwhelmed as far as its female and you know minority presence throughout i mean it's usually oh, it's just basically white guys in all the star wars movies in every role what about that quote uh, the kathleen kennedy just said recently which one was that kathleen kennedy with the neo and uh no no that was that was um i think that was joanna robinson who is a film critic and, and you know entertainment journalist? Um, yeah, just being how basically how saying how people are being sexist about well, about Ray, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think she was great, and I'm I'm really excited to see her see more of her. So um, you know, what are your I guess closing thoughts on this film? Like I did a lot of closing thoughts. So what are your closing thoughts on this film? And, you know, what do you... I mean, you know I'm going to make you come and see the next one with me. Probably even Rogue One, but at least Episode 8. You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts and what do you want to see happen next? Um, I want to know... I want to know the you story. Wanna know, you, you want answers to your questions. I want to answer my questions. I want to know who is, who is Rey related to? Which Skywalker? I know she's a Skywalker. You can't deceive me. I mean, it could be... I mean, it would have been... It would be slightly more <coughs> dramatic if it was brother and sister fighting... But I mean, cousins fighting still still gets the same point across, right? Maybe after Kylo Ren went all bad, like, oh man, I don't want to Han and Leia. Like, man, I don't want another kid. You know, <laughs> man, the other one might turn out bad too. Well, in the extended universe, they had three kids. One of them, there was a the older one. Was the oldest one was a boy, went to the dark side. The younger one was a girl, and she became a Jedi. And then the third one, like, died tragically as a little boy or something. Oh, I, don't know the, I don't know the circumstances because I haven't read a lot of those novels. But it's possible um, they're not doing things from the comic book. No, they're not. I mean, that, these are novels, not comic books. But, oh. Uh, but, I mean, I'm sure they had comic books with those characters, too. Uh, yeah, no, I know they're not. And But that doesn't mean that they can't draw inspiration from that. I mean, right. Captain America Civil War is coming out next year. Is that exactly like the Civil War comic book? No, but are they going to take elements of it? Yeah, of course. That's why, why, uh, why, why break the grain? You know why, why? Why fix what's not broken? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to adapt it a hundred percent, but you can take. I mean, you don't think that that you don't think that they borrowed the idea of okay, Han and Leia have a kid who becomes a Jedi, who, uh, who becomes a you know starts Church of the Dark Side. You don't think they were they borrowed that from the? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. So they're taking bits and pieces of it and kind of doing their own version of it, which I think is great because if they if they acknowledge all of that as canon, they don't have any stories to tell. Right. Everything's been covered. We know what happens to all of them way into the future. And way, you know, I mean, and it's and then it, there's no surprises. Then we don't, won't have these questions. We'll be like, um, I know it's in this book. I don't need to know. You know what I mean? Right. And they don't get to build the story as they go along. I'm sure novels and stuff will come out between now and episode eight, filling in some of these gaps and like little hints about certain things. But that'll be up to them to divulge in their own time. You know, Lucasfilm, I'm saying, um, to build towards that other film, not just having it already in the world randomly and just be like, all right, well, let's write a script based on this, you know? Right, exactly. Um, well, I hope that in the next um, film, episode eight, I hope that Finn and Ray get together. I think that they'd be really cute love story. And I think it's, I think it's good. I didn't mean to interrupt. I think it'd be nice to have them come together. And clearly he's, he's a hero type. He's a leader and she's a leader too. And it's basically like Han and Leia all over again to, but just, in, you know, a different way. I, I'm glad that they didn't do that in this movie, though, because I hate movies that force like a love story, and they're like, "Oh, they just met, but now they're in love." I'm like, uh. and the original trilogy also did that, did a good job with that. Where they, you know, they're Han and Leia had chemistry in A New Hope, 
and you could tell that he was sort of he was sort of attracted to her. It was like, great girl. I don't know. I don't know if I wanted. Uh, what did he say? Kiss her or shoot her? Kiss her or something. Yeah, something like that. And and clearly Luke was already into her, not knowing it's his sister. Were you that, wondering where I was or what I'm doing? She's like, no. Yeah, um, all of that stuff. And they they built towards that where in Empire Strikes Back, you know, it was some time later story wise, and that chemistry just felt more natural. Like, okay, these two are way more familiar with them, each other than they were in the first movie, but still nothing's happened. So you still got to see that moment where they realize that they have feelings for each other, and it is a mutual thing. And then you get that great, I love you. I know that thing, right, which is yeah. amazing. Okay, what about the prequels? That yeah, well, was that was a little forced. Well, that was. I mean, it was forced because we knew that they, these two had to have sex and, and have kids because and, otherwise we don't have. Yeah, and I never and I still don't understand what she saw in him. Yeah, I don't see how that they have. I don't see how they got together. He did not do George Lucas did not do a very good job with that. I mean, granted, I don't love the prequels. Okay, I do love the prequels, but I don't think they're great movies, except for maybe Revenge of the Sith. I might defend. But there are a lot of things in all three of them to like. There are a lot of the visuals sometimes are really are really strong. The uh, the battle scenes are extremely well choreographed. There are actually funny moments or strong performances that kind of thing. But that whole love story with them with the two of them, which is so key to this plot of those trilogy of that trilogy, leading to the tragic end for I guess both of them, was so heavy uh, heavy handed and horribly written. I mean, I wish that I could just. Wish away my feelings. What the fuck? Who talks like that? He does. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. He, and he just was whiny. And I'm just like, what does she see in him? I would even ask this when we're watching the film. Like, what does she see and in him? And then I had to sit next to him and like, put my hands in the air and be like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. But the thing is, you're talking about visually beautiful. I mean, that... Part of a, it. Some it, of it. Yeah, it's just a lot of CGI. And that's a great thing about this movie much. was that it wasn't really CGI at all. And the, the places that they went to the planets looked like places you would actually see on planet Earth. You know, it was really... I mean, I get it. I, I get that on um, the prequels, you know, took you to a far, yeah, but far they away land. But they looked like video games. You even said it, and many people have said it. That's one of the biggest criticisms around. The, besides the shitty writing of the romance in the in the the prequels, the fact that everything is so CG to the point that you're like, it just looks like two people standing and playing a virtual reality game. Now I don't understand. Right. And it was so over the top, where they're swinging on the freaking like ropes while they're hitting lightsabers with a lava everywhere. It's like. Can you just make it about this? Like, look at the effectiveness of that lightsaber battle versus the like the passion in the Ray versus Kylo Ren thing. That was like edge of your seat shit right there. And it was just two people with lightsabers, one of which who had like I don't know how to use this, but I guess it's like this, fighting in the snow. It was two people fighting. It, it was it was a a, um, a personal conflict, not. I mean, so was the Obi-Wan Anakin thing, but it was just like them, like they were dancing instead of like fighting. They didn't seem like they were mad at each other. They just seemed like they're like doing some kind of weird Cirque du Soleil routine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that. I'm glad that the movies have balanced CG with practical effects. And some people have said that Supreme Leader Snoke and Mas Kanata did kind of stick out like a sore thumb a little bit because those were the motion capture characters. I did sort of feel that a little bit too. Mas Kanata's especially because. I mean, you see her walking around where there's these there's actors, there's puppets, there's you know a lot of makeup and different effects happening in that in that scene in her sequences, and she did look very cartoony compar- comparatively. Right. But I was still I mean I was still really interested in her character, and I hope that that char- uh, that Lupita Nyong'o comes back because I did think I didn't think she was interesting, and I want to know more about where she came where she comes from, 
And the fact that we now have a character other than Yoda who's been around forever and she's like, yeah, I've seen this shit before. Sith, Empire, First Order, it's all the same bullshit. Right. And she could be, she's like us. And she's like, yeah, this is all cyclical. I've seen it several times because we're all like, yeah, so have we. We watch the other stuff. Right, exactly. We're not even, we haven't even been alive a thousand years. Yeah, exactly. But, with, to, but also with the motion capture, that's also very different than, um, you yeah. know, the prequels. So we were even talking about that earlier, that yes. motion capture was not being used as much in the, um, Jar Jar back Banks in the early 2000s. Not, Jar Jar Binks was not motion capture. Jar Jar Binks was CGI. They, Ahmed Best, the actor who did the voice, he had like a Jar Jar like hat on or something because Jar Jar is taller than a normal man. He's supposed to be like more like six, seven feet tall. And then he was in the scene walking around with them doing the voices. But they didn't use, he didn't have the little sensors on his face. They didn't use anything to capture his performance. That was all the animators, that, which is why Jar Jar Binks looks like one of those zombie Polar Express kids most of the time. like, me is not called Jar Jar Binks. Right. He's like a humble servant. Yeah. Kind of so even though they, were, they did use CGI in this one, it seems like it was more based, motion capture based, which is, you know, a technology that's being more widespread. And also, um, in the original films, they didn't have CGI at all. It really was just practical effects and miniatures. miniatures and so a little bit order, of stop motion, but yeah, not yeah. That but much. they had to make it yeah. feel feel the similar yeah. to that. Yeah, so. and they did a great job with that. Um, do we think a couple more questions? Then we'll wrap it up because we're getting we're getting well, we're reaching an hour. Um, do we think any other original trilogy cast members or anybody else from the previous six films do you think we're going to see any other familiar faces other than i guess now luke and leia um luke and leia ray no not not from this movie oh. from the original six films do you think we're going to have anybody else show up because remember some people can become one with the force i don't know i don't know who's going to show up um and so- palpatine's dead Darth Vader, I, I thought, was dead. Yeah, I don't. I, I hope they don't bring either one of those two back. I think Vader's presence is felt enough, though, as is, that we don't need him to like show up and be like, we don't need Hayden Christensen to pop up and be like, hey, dude. Plus, he was redeemed. Out. Yeah, yeah. Or him to show up and be like, hey, it's cool. I'm good now. Which, that's going to be, and we talked about that a little bit in the last podcast, that's going to be a nice big twist when, because you, you know there's going to be a moment in either episode eight or episode nine where Luke Luke or Ray, somebody tells Kylo Ren, it's like, listen, this guy that you've been following, he actually went towards the light when all of a sudden done, and he helped destroy the Emperor. So you're trying to finish his what he started. He ended up, he was decided he didn't want to do that in the first place. So now you're going based off false information. Right. Which is, which is an interesting thing. Us as the audience, we know what was going on in Darth Vader's head more now because we saw Return of the Jedi and Kylo Ren is living off of this legend of like the Dark Lord of the Sith and all powerful and I need to live up to my grandfather and all that crap. And that's that's an interesting place to be. I uh, I have heard a lot of rumors that Lando might come back and I think now that Han Solo is dead, I think that would be a good opportunity for him to be like, to, to you know, maybe come to help Leia out, become part of the Resistance or at least, you know, give his feedback on grieving for his friend's death. That kind of thing, um, and if they have if Finn happens to be connected to him, then there you go. You got that. That'll tie in nicely. Um, actually, I read about this last night. <coughs> During that scene where she has her vision, you can hear a voice going, "Ray, these are your first steps," or something. And that was actually a snippet of Alec Guinness's voice as Obi Wan, and then they actually had you McGregor record a line of dialogue. Oh wow! So to, he might to play Obi Wan, and there have been rumors because if he's a Force ghost. If he's, well, apparently, Hayden, if Hayden Christensen can be can be the Force Ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi, why can't Alec Guinness? Why can't Obi Wan take his younger form? I and mean, we don't we don't have Alec Guinness with us anymore. And 
Ewan McGregor was one of those strong performances in the prequels that I think elevated that material ridiculously, especially in episode three. Um, so it would be interesting to see Ewan McGregor show up either as a force ghost or in a flashback or a vision or something. Um, there's also been rumors that at some point they could do an Obi-Wan standalone movie as one of the, like, the, you know, in-between episodes. And I would love to see that. I thought he was great. And we have 20 years of unexplored terrain where he drops Luke off with uh, Owen and Baru and then goes to hide in the desert and then shows up again 20... We don't know. He could have left Tatooine, gone on some other mission, kicked some ass, and then be like, all right, back to my post. Yeah, maybe. There's a lot of... Uh, what about Yoda? There. Can Yoda come back as a Force ghost? I think so. Frank Oz is still around. He could record the voice. Um... And I, a little bit of Yoda's dialogue, I guess, was played in that scene too. I was a lot. That happened a lot really fast. And seeing it on the big IMAX, I think I was over, sensory overload a little bit. Yeah. Because they cut back and forth. Among that vision was that scene of Luke's hand on R two <coughs> and all that. There was a lot going on. So when I when I rewatch it now, I won't have to. I can really focus in on enjoying on like taking in John Williams' score, <clears throat> as well as little details like the Daniel Craig cameo and like. Yeah, some of the other some of the other you know, character reprisals there. So uh, overall, very excited. Definitely going to be in my top ten favorite movies of the year. Um, can't wait for for more. I'm sure I'm sure I'll be talking about Star Wars Rogue One and Episode Eight on the podcast going forward as more news comes out. But um, but yeah, I would love to hear what you guys thought about Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Um, you know, send me a tweet at Crooked Table, and you can send me a tweet too at the Volky LLC. And I usually actually tweet at Crooked Tables stuff on Twitter as well. So you'll there see you that. Read our, uh, read our articles at crookedtable.com. Like us on Facebook. I'm um, not sure what when we're going to do the next episode of this. Uh, the Hateful Eight does come out in a, actually less than a week now. Um, so I, I maybe I'm, I'm definitely going to see that. So hopefully I can, I can either wrangle uh, Kai or Freddie in here. Or I could just do a solo show. Like a, a solo. It's a little bit of Star Wars humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, solo show, but uh, I'm going to try and get something up every week to 10 days. I, I know I've been saying that for a while, but I need to get a little more regularity with these episodes because I have a blast doing them and it's always, and it's, you know, it's fun to, to get the conversation started with you guys. So um, I guess that's it for this episode of The Crooked Table. If you haven't listened to our part one of our Star Wars episode, please go ahead and download that off of iTunes. And uh, please, if you enjoy what you're hearing, um, you know, give us uh, give us some reviews. So in the meantime, may the force be with you and uh, we'll see you guys soon. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the low KED.